genuinely have not rewatched this episode since I first watched this season. Like I this is not an episode I rewatch. Mainly because I just think it's silly. It's called No Way Out to the Evolution of Frank. Like I know. It's I just know. so silly. It doesn't occur to me that this is a serious episode of Criminal Minds, which has major implications and shit. Like there are so many little details in this, and okay, the reason I've seen it so much is because you know I'm, I'm was I guess writing that rewrite fic, that Criminal Minds rewrite fic, and obviously like yeah. this is the season finale episode, so it's the season finale chapter. So I was like rewatching five second details of it like for so long. So when I saw this episode again, I was just like. All I could see was Gemily. Like, all yeah. I was like, this Gemily, this Gemily, because that's how I watched it like 80,000 times. So it was funny to watch it and be like, Gideon's so ridiculous. This episode's so cheesy. This episode is. What is this episode? I will say, okay, especially because we've been recording these really quickly, you know? Yeah. I was, uh, you know, emotionally, I felt the emotion of the hotch and this and the that i like felt it but and i think it was good as a season finale episode like yeah for sure for sure for sure the good like season finale the flashback of hodge hodge's narration and the mystery and the callback to tracy bell who knows how many fucking episodes ago that was oh six season one was it callback to the fisher king callback to the fisher king i loved like, that good episode and then the like Easy. the emily reveal at the end it was amazing really good but it was just like they lost the progress right all of a sudden it was like we were watching fucking fisher king part one again <laughs> this feels incongruous with the rest of the season yes Absolutely. Like this season, this feels like a season one episode, but with like season two character development, and like I dig it. Yeah, it's like you have more insights into the characters. You know why they're doing things. Okay, that's cool. Like there's cool callbacks, which feels more like a season two thing than a season one thing. Yeah, but there's also this like weird, like the editing. The editing is weird. Yeah. The vibes are just a little strange. It was weird to have that frantic Gideon energy, right? That season With one, like, he's running around, he's doing things that nobody knows, and, oh my gosh, what's he saying? You know, that energy? That was weird to have. Yeah, we got back to, like, the Gideon running away from people after telling them they're gay energy. You remember that? <laughs> This felt yeah. like season one, episode two, energy. Yeah, and they even had that walking away thing in open season a couple episodes ago. Where he's just a like little bit. a bow and arrow. And then just walks away and it's like, okay. But, but even then, that was like a calm walking away. This yeah. was like a frantic walking away. You know what I mean? Definitely like season two Garcia. It was, here's the thing, it was season two, everybody else, and season yeah. one, Gideon. Yeah, and it's crazy to think about how, like, Mandy Patinkin just, like, leaves. Like This he has, is what made him snap? He has one more episode, right, season three, episode one. That they had already recorded. Yes. So, this, like... yeah. So that's technically wasn't, wasn't season two supposed to be twenty four episodes, and they had to just cut yeah, one off. Uh, 
Yeah. Because I believe, so the opening of season three, which is Doubt. It's a good episode, guys. It's a great, great episode, ep- by the way. Phenomenal episode. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal season opener. Probably one of the best season openers. I'm not going to lie to you. But this is Mandy Patinkin's last episode. Yeah. And he didn't know it would be his last episode. Or maybe he knew, but nobody else knew it was going to be Gideon's last episode. Yeah. So, like, that kind of colors how I look at this episode, too, where I'm like, right. this is, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know what I mean? I, I think that it has been a long time coming. And knowing now that he just, like, didn't show up one day. He just didn't show up to he season just, three. Yeah, he, he didn't just, show up to work. He just didn't like, show what? up to work. He, he like ghosted. He quit by ghosting. And S- knowing straight that, up ghosted. Yeah. And knowing that and watching these previous episodes, I can see Mandy Patinkin's like energy for it draining. And I think that's why this episode, he was like, this is my last one. I'm going to give it my all. We're back in what's the make energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's happening? Yeah. It feels. Yeah. No, this definitely. This feels like a manic episode. It like does. from Gideon. It feels like this is like. Yeah. It's so manic from Gideon and so calm from everybody else. From everybody else. It's so strange. You know, I'm feeling a little too calm right now. And I think there's only one thing that's going to make me feel hyped. And you know what that is, B? A V8 energy drink like I'm about to drink? Our theme song. (laughs) I can see where you're going and I so desperately wanted to trip you. I wanted to see you fall. So didn't I say we'd get hyped? The theme music really did the trick. Yeah, it was the theme music for sure. It was. It was for yeah. sure the theme music. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, B-movie. Do you want to talk about season two, episode 23, the finale of season two of Criminal Minds? Hey, Jair Bud? Ew. I would love. I was making an Air Bud joke and I added a J in front of it. There's no good J movies. Hey, Jair Bud? I would love to talk about season two, episode 23 No Way Out 2 The Evolution of Frank. I wish they had just named it No Way Out 2 Electric Boogaloo. No Way Out. Dance Dance Evolution. Dance Dance Evolution. I, okay. So, Belle, who has been a guest on our podcast before, who was our guest for North Mammon. Will 7, North Mammon, yes. Yeah, who messages me immediately after we post any episode with feedback and compliments, and I, we love her for it. She said she was very excited for Dance Dance Evolution. So, I went back through you and me, B and Jer Bear, mm-hmm. Jer Bud, whatever, 
I went back to our messages, our Discord messages, to see okay. when when we came up with that thought. Dance Dance Evolution. Yes. It was October 27th, 2021. And if I'm not mistaken, this episode is airing very close to that. Yeah, it'll be October... This episode, I can tell you the exact day that it will be airing. Um, because this episode will be airing on October 12th, I believe. So this is real close to yeah. a year from the day we discovered and we came up with the wonderful thought of Dance Dance Evolution. I titled my Google Doc of Notes DDE. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what the name of the episode is. It's Dance Dance Evolution. Dance yeah. Dance Evolution. Yeah. Can we talk about how corny this name sounds as opposed to every other name this season? Yes. Wildly corny. No Way Out 2, The Evolution of Frank. And it's funny. So in the episode, Gideon, when he's talking to Garcia, he's like, we need to figure out, you know, the evolution of Frank, how he was created. So they say, I'm going to count that as saying it. You yeah, know. yeah. You know what? Yes. I'll give them that. They didn't say no way out, but they said we need to figure out, you know, the evolution of Frank. So they say it and I get what they mean, but the evolution. See, that's that that kooky. That's that energy. B horror movie shit. Literally like Ash and the Evil Dead. This is yeah, this is a straight to VHS horror movie title. For sure, for sure, for sure. And so is the editing. There's like weird cuts and they zoom in on like Strauss's mouth and then her fingers tapping on the desk and then there's like a like Emily's giving a profile and it's like in black and white and it's like why are we noir now when Gideon's on the payphone with Hotch they keep like going back and forth in time while he's like talking and it's like this isn't when they enter the room at the Smithsonian all the animal sounds like what's going on here at one point gideon is looking at some sort of like human evolution infographic flow chart thing mm -hmm. and they show pictures of like sasquatches and like cavemen and the, with the animal noises i have the, okay i have like four unpins in my notes <laughs> it's all coming together it's so weird. This feels it's so, so corny compared to the rest of the season. Like, yeah. sure. And here's the thing. Criminal Minds always has this, like, sort of corny nature about it, you know, because they're making big sweeping states of statements right. about the human condition, you know? Like, it's always going to be a little corny sometimes. They're usually better about episode titles, especially. Like, if they had just done this, No Way Out 2. And by the way, they formatted it differently than the Fisher King part two, which pisses me off. Right. Because on my fucking spreadsheet, it's the Fisher King part numeral two, like Arabic numeral two. And then this one is no way out Roman numeral two, colon, the evolution. Like, that pisses me off. Pick, I... a, pick, a, pick one. It's so funny to me and then it's not even consistent because they fucking did uh, they, every other episode that they do like a two-parter they just named them two different but somewhat related things the yeah. big game revelations like later we have fucking lo-fi and hijack like 
they fucking stop this after this season because they can't make up their fucking minds and it pisses me off. Let's talk. So let's talk about this. Episode one of this season is the Fisher King part two. Yes. And then the middle of the season, we have the big game and revelations, which are two parters. And then the last episode is no way out to the evolution of Frank. They're all in one season these three i think different that's ways. the worst part that's yeah. the worst part and like okay i have a lot of feelings about how you name episodes of tv shows right sure. i have a lot of feelings about this right uh-huh. mr robot does it in probably my favorite way of all time um there's like person of interest has very good episode names and they yeah. all like make sense in the context of the world even fucking like friends the one that riverdale chapter blank blank colon the title like chapter 32 this is the title of the episode like it's just this pisses me off because they tried it three different ways in one season and even more pissing me off is they did the fisher king comma part two and then no way out roman numeral two colon the evil like fuck off fuck off this fucking sucks i hate this shit i fucking hate this shit for real i have a lot of emotions about this you got so mad your midwestern accent came out that's funny (sighs) that's funny i here's the thing this is the Mm -hmm. perfect storm for me of like the perfect storm a great episode from season two um this is the perfect storm of things that i'm passionate about like number one tv episode titles number two clean looking data number three like sorry number one is television show episode titles yeah i fucking love tv show episode titles dude do you prefer Mm -hmm. something like friends that's like the one with the one that or something like scrubs but they're all named like you know they're like named like documentary style i forget the exact like one or like Grey's anatomy they're all song titles or do you like it if they just like make sense in the universe and it's like okay you know like something like doctor who where they're all memorable titles and they all Mm -hmm. like you say a name of it and you're like oh, I know exactly what episode that is and what happens in it. There's a lot of, I actually, I really like a lot of different types of that. I think um, my recent favorite is actually the way that Legacies titled their episodes is mm-hmm. every single title was a, was a, is a line said in the episode. So you get some really funny titles like Fate's a Bitch, isn't it? Like you get some really good titles, right? Yeah. I also, like I said, I like Person of Interest because they all make sense in universe and they're very, like, memorable. Yeah. The formatting on all of those is pretty much the same, which is another thing that really, like, tends to piss me the fuck off. I agree with the formatting thing, yeah. Like, I get if you, I get if you want to be fucking fancy and you want to have No Way Out Roman numeral 2 colon whatever, or you want to have chapter 33 colon the night everything went dark. Like, I get it and I appreciate it and I love it. But like, holy fucking shit. Can this, can criminal minds make up their fucking minds? It pisses me off. I'm sorry. Mr. Robot is also one of my favorites. 
I don't know if you've ever looked at the episode titles, but they're no. all like it's labeled like EP ep 1.0 underscore hello friend dot mov like it's very stylized mm -hmm. but it all makes sense in universe like and then it also tells you like it's ep season 1.1 or season 1.0 ep 1.2 underscore debug dot mkv like it all makes sense in universe and like it all very much like comes together you know what i mean like didn't Arcane episodes, they're, like, very long, but they were, like, really good. Um. They were all, like, lyrics from Imagine Dragons songs. Yeah. Welcome uh, yeah, to they the were playground. Really... I think they were all Some named after. Some mysteries are better left unsolved. The base violence necessary for change. Everybody yeah, they wants have to be really my good enemy. episode titles, yeah. Oh, I just really like remembered their theme song and how good their theme song is. Yeah. Uh, uh, the I wish this wasn't such a thing that pissed me off so much, but here we are. One thing I do like the Criminal Minds does, and it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen next season, is like, if you get an episode title with a character's name, it's That's like, always really good. Oh, and not everyone gets one. I'm pretty sure only like three people do. I'm pretty sure it's just JJ, Spencer, and Penelope. Maybe this one called Luke. But Something I, it's, like that. It's, not a, it's those three for sure. I like that because then you're like, oh shit. <laughs> Something's happening with them. Exactly. And like, but also the thing is, is that after this, after this season, Criminal Minds becomes very good about episode titles, really. I was just going to say, I actually really like the episode titles after this. You know, you get things like, Faceless, nameless. Ooh, good one. Yeah, like, I mean, minimal loss, like tells you everything. Fifty to pick up. My favorite Criminal Minds episode. In case you were wondering about face. About face. Like, it's just like, and then even then, even if we're just we just narrow our focus down to like two parter episodes. After this, you have like. The next two-parter, I believe, is Lo-Fi and Mayhem, which is yeah. a very good, like, two-part episode title. You know? Like... I would almost say that this episode and the season three, episode one, kind of like... Well, I guess that'd be a part two and a part three, wouldn't it? They they do kind of act as a two-parter, though. Yeah, like, if you watch this and you go right into that one, it, like, makes a lot of sense. Um, but we're not talking about that episode. We're talking about season two, episode 23... Also, no by the way, Derek is also, he gets an episode title that's just Derek. Nice. Sorry. I ha I'm sorry no, I had to interrupt because I knew somebody else would correct us otherwise. Sure. Oh, I'm just remembering the, like, then you get, like, Coda, Valhalla, and Lauren all together. Ugh. That's in season six. Okay, I can't do this. I'm going to start having feelings, but I'm going to find this. We have okay. fucking... Pro you have Profiling 101 and then Profiling 202. Like... Mm -hmm. No, it gets a lot better. I'm really glad that they stick to the kind of like the big game revelations format instead of whatever the fuck this is. And I would argue they do the big game revelations format better later, obviously. Like yes. Hit and Run and like Lo-Fi and Mayhem. Like those yeah. are all very much better yeah. thematically connected names yeah. than... 
the big game revelations and much better than no way out and no way out to the evolution of frank yeah and like valhalla and lauren does the same okay so let's i guess we can talk about this episode now let's talk about this episode i'll stop looking at episode titles for pretty little liars now (laughs) i forgot to resign season finale too (laughs) yeah i guess so (laughs) Well, again, we do have our special episode coming out soon where we rank all these episodes in order of worst to best. Not so goodness. if you don't want to, uh, if yeah. you're like, wow, I don't want the fun of season two of Wheels Up to end, don't worry. It doesn't, baby. Don't worry. And don't forget, send in corrections and things like that because those always get addressed in our bonus episode. Also true, if you have any corrections you're saving, this is good that we mentioned this at the top of the episode. If you have any corrections you're saving, Send them to us now. Wheels up at brightcrownmedia.com. Yeah. You can send it to our email or to our Twitter or like a audio message on Anchor. You can do any of those things. Yeah. Or if you're the 50% of our listeners that know us personally, just text me. Percent is high, dude. I no, gotta I say. I only actually know like three or four people in real life who listen to our episodes. So mostly it's not people we know. But that was just a little joke for for them. But you know what? You can just yell into the wind. We'll hear it. But also say it another way so that we can... Yeah, but also do like tweet at us or something. Yeah. Okay. So obviously we start off with our flashback. This was... Okay. Mm -hmm. Why did they start Mm -hmm. with a previously on when every time something happens that relates back to the previous episode they show a flashback they do so love their flashbacks this episode i like i get it i'm actually not upset with the flashbacks but like why did we also need to why did i need to sit through a previously on if you're gonna show us everybody's flashbacks (laughs) it's like i don't need both Maybe it's like right off the top you like know who Frank is, but uh. but also like it's it, it is also weird because it almost feels like they're padding for time at some points. Oh, it definitely does. This episode went by quick. This episode went by really quick. I wonder if adding flashbacks into the episode. I I can see why they did the previously on because we haven't seen Frank in. 10 episodes. Wow, it really and we feel had, like that long. I know, I know, but it has been. He was 213. And they gave no indication at the time that he was coming back. You know, this isn't like in the future, this isn't like the Reaper, right? Who like, you're always kind of on the lookout. You're always on your guard to watch him come back. Frank's yeah. first episode, he's just kind of gone, right? And they gave no indication that he's coming back. So That's I can see fair. why they needed a previously on. For sure, for sure. Get get that. Love it, love it, love it. Why y'all adding all these flashbacks into the app, besties? I remember. I was there. <laughs> yeah. So many, so many flashbacks. And so much like when they're going through Gideon's bedroom, they're like, Every stroke of his arm is a 
motion of his soul he cuts with ease taking pleasure and heavy and i was like guys i thought we were pressed for time i thought we were being sneaky no it's so weird because they for sure like i also thought that was so weird they were being real poetic about it while the other cops were just sort of standing there but we're not there yet so let's continue keep walking me through this okay so i honestly i'm not going to talk about this previously on we get it you remember no way out He's you're, been co- you're remembering this. He's been killing for 30 years. He's, He's the, the most prolific. prolific <laughs> yeah, I was literally saying that. Yeah, he gives people ketamine shots. Jane's doing anything he wants. Great. They they make sure to mention the K-hole reference again. And I was like, why? Y'all didn't even get it right the first time. Yeah, I know, it was weird. Okay, so then we cut to somewhere in D.C., Everyone's out and about doing things, Everybody's- skateboarding. I was like, this is a this is bustling. <laughs> I was like, where's this? Like <laughs> there's a flower stand. Fuck if I've ever seen a flower stand. This is in New York. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god. When we get to Union Station, oh my god. Okay. I don't know where the fuck they filmed that. But it was not Union Station. Not even fucking close. Okay. I can't. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, yeah. They're doing the thing. Okay. They do the thing a lot this episode as if somebody is taking pictures. And we've discussed this before. Very season one of them. Very season one of them. And in season one, they used it where, like, if somebody in LDSK, the sniper, like, focus thing like they would show the grid if he was looking through it or they would show like film camera whatever if they were looking through it or through the bushes they like was indicating that that was how the unsub was watching this time they're just doing it yeah they really like don't tell you anything like they've yes we've talked about this before where they do use this to sort of like get you into the killer's shoes to see what he's seeing and do what he's doing etc 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 this one is just sort of like for funsies just like for fun it's for fun okay gideon's at a flower stand trying to buy flowers you cannot tell me that Gideon, being who he is, does not know, like, the meaning of every flower on the planet. Oh, for sure. Are you kidding me? In what world is he not like, yellow means friendship. This means this. Like, that bullshit fan fiction, everyone knows the meaning of every flower, so, like, <laughs> you know. And also, like, this man knows the whole, like, genus of birds you're telling me he doesn't know what a little mum is like you're telling me oh my god yes he doesn't like no it was it was and some some of the white white stuff stuff to put in there like are you (laughs) kidding me i was like baby's breath like that everyone knows where he's like what are you talking about anyway he's like something flowery also i do love that there's a guy behind him that's like i do have a date if you don't mind (laughs) I was like, what's fun? 
That's fun. This dude, though, is so funny because, okay, so Gideon's like, "Mm, maybe something like purple. And his phone rings, he picks it up. And then the dude behind him is immediately like, bro, I'm fucking busy. Can you make up your, like, no time gives him nothing. He's like, (laughs) he's like, purple, something flowery, maybe roses. And the guy's like, ugh, hurry up. (laughs) And Hatch is like, Okay, I love this little conversation. Hatch is like, are you on are you on a date? And you didn't tell me. I was like, love that. And then Gideon's like, it's not a date, it's not a date. And that's when the guy's like, mine is. If you're gonna hurry up. Like Gideon, so like get out of the way and come back when you've made up your mind. Anyway, he's like, it's an old college friend. And Gideon asks the woman, Do Rosa say, sorry, I'm late, I'm an idiot? And she's like, if you want action, get the roses. And Hatch is like, she's right. <laughs> I loved this. I love when TV shows do this well. Do like somebody on the phone really well. Yeah. It doesn't no, happen really often, but when it does, it becomes so iconic. Uh, this so scene funny. is so good. Do you remember that one scene from Glee? Where everybody's talking on the phones with each other. Oh, yes. It's the moment and then like it's all split screen and then they all end up walking into each other in the halls and like i just i love shit like that or i love shit like that the episode of the l word where they find out that like two people slept together so it's like texting calling we're calling we're calling and it just goes back and forth and back and forth and everyone's like what the fuck and then they call someone they hang up and they pick up the next phone and it's like um iconic this not as complicated but still very good still very good Yes. This reminds me, this phone call reminds me a lot of how a lot of the exchanges in person of interest go, actually. Yes. Especially, yes. like, with Root and Shaw. But this, like, felt very... Where they're just in each other's ears all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially the whole, like, no one gets to hurt you but me. And it's like, yeah. okay, I'm hanging up. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is just very fun. Yeah. And Hatch is like laughing as Gideon's trying to describe button bumps. And he's like, make it look happy. Um, and it was very cute. Also, a cute little, little is thing. this supposed to be the same woman from Fisher King Part 1? Remember how in Fisher King Part 1 I he, was guess? Like, he was like also on a date? Yeah, I guess. Like there's another throwback to season one. Like once a year he gets to meet this woman last time she had like two glasses of wine was like well i'm drunk do you want to like slow dance to old music this time rip there was a glass of wine on the table though and i was like it's gotta be her <laughs> it's got it's I gotta mean, be I her i can't imagine gideon has that many different women in his life that many old school friends <laughs> yeah like i can't imagine jason gideon pulls that many bitches not to be like rude but i cannot imagine he does that's fair that's fair look at that man's style Ooh. the sneakers i know retired dad workaholic only wears sneakers and sweater vests like <laughs> yeah okay so here's the point of the phone call hodge got a request from safeguard which i looked up Safeguard is basically peer support group, not a group, but like a program where 
you talk about like the things you've seen on your job like you can't show your family these pictures or talk about these crimes so you can talk to other agents it's basically like making sure fbi agents mental health is okay because of like the shit they have to see so they called and gideon is like okay fine annual review whatever and hodge is like it's six months early and we find out that the FBI is reevaluating everything, redistributing money, cutting everything in every department. Gideon's like, what, we lose the jet? That's fine. I prefer trains anyway. And I'm just like, you're going to make baby Reed? You're going to make Reed from derailed ride a train everywhere? Come on. <laughs> the train infrastructure in this country is not that good yet, dude. Yeah, like... I've taken an Amtrak from D.C. to Philly, but I don't think you can take a full cross-country train anymore. I could be wrong. I'm not a train bitch. Gideon is, though. Apparently. You can take... I know you can go up to Michigan. I know you can go to Philly. I don't think there's a full cross-country... Or if there is, it takes, like, 48 hours. Yeah, it takes a long time. It takes a long time. Like, Gideon, what are you talking about? Also, I didn't realize that this was like a, until right the second, this was like a premonition. Gideon being like, I prefer trains. Oh, yeah. You know what's funny? I'm just going to put this here. I've seen people discuss whether or not Gideon is also autistic. And I was like, okay, like, I can see it. He's very particular, like the emotions like not connecting well with people his special interest being birds yeah Yeah. and then we get to his apartment and there's just trains everywhere and i don't know if you know this but there's very much a stereotypes of boys with autism they're all obsessed with fucking trains and for what yeah and And for what and for what and so when they walked into his apartment and it was just like birds 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 trains 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 i was like you know Maybe they maybe. were onto something. <laughs> maybe they both have a point. Wow, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm always ready to be like, yeah, they're artistic. But I was looking at that and I was like, oh, actually, though, maybe. Maybe that's why you took such an interest in Reed. Interesting. Okay. Anyway. Hotch starts listing. Okay. This is the list Hotch gives Gideon of why their team might be in trouble. He says, what happened to Morgan in Chicago? Mm-hmm. We both know about Reed's issues, and L's suspect was killed. Now, if I were going to list things that happened to me and take absolutely no responsibility, this is how I would say them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way to say everything yeah. in passive voice. You know, that thing with Morgan in Chicago casual reads issues we all got him l suspect was killed by someone <laughs> like okay like, Hodge. You don't know who. like okay <laughs> and then he finds out that everyone's file was pulled except for hotches oh we finally get confirmation that hotches unit chief hey he only took us two full seasons literally in the in season one we know that Gideon was unit chief. And now at the end of season two, 
we get the confirmation of Gideon saying, you're the best unit chief I know. And Hotch says, I'm the only unit chief you know. <laughs> so, funny. like, then what the fuck is Gideon's job? Is he just... Uh, is he, like, the same level as Emily? Are they, like, on the same playing field? They're for sure not. But I think probably in name, yeah. Like, I mean, he just probably know- gets paid a million dollars more than she does. Right. Also, like, well, we know that she's actually, like, got higher clearance than everyone on that team, but they don't know that yet. But, like, yeah. is the, in theory, do they have the same job? Like, the same job title? In theory, I would honestly say yes. I think they I have think, the same job title. <laughs> I think they do. I think Gideon has the same job title as the rest of them on the team, except for uh, JJ and Hotch. And for Just Penelope. like how Rossi is sort of like the senior special agent, like, same thing here with Gideon. Like, Gideon started the team, but he's still, yeah, like, but I think he quote, doesn't... unquote, just a profiler, you know? And I think he probably definitely prefers it that way, right? I mean, yeah. he doesn't want to do upper management shit like fucking all the paperwork Hotch does. But, I like, I also think there was probably a time in which he was unit chief, obviously. But I think he steps down probably around the same time as the series begins, actually. Yeah, I think that's what we agreed on when we were doing season one, that he was unit chief. Hotch became interim unit chief during Gideon's like six month sabbatical. And then when he came back, Hotch just stayed unit chief. Yeah. I think that was finally like our conclusion mm-hmm. there. And that makes the most sense from like an office politics standpoint. I think and so too. from a Gideon standpoint. Gideon is like, calm down. It's gonna be fine. And then he looks over and Jane is just there smoking. She just smoking Just standing on the street. On the street. Casual smoking. Just casually. Um, you know, I think this might, I think he might be in Gallery Place. What? If, if you know anything about DC, you don't. For those DC heads out there, um, I think he's in Gallery Place. I'm going to guess that's the metro stop he's on. Anyway, he sees Jane. Just smoke it. They do the thing that I hate that's like she's there and then somebody walks in front of her and she's gone. It's like, I know we're supposed to be like, is he seeing things? But what? But like, why would he be seeing Jane? He has not, there has been neither hide no nor mention hair of, of it. Yeah. And then there's If she this is. episode wasn't called No Way Out 2, we wouldn't we wanna know what the fuck was coming. Yeah. If it hadn't started with that previously on, which I think is I now that we like are talking about this, I almost wish they hadn't have done hadn't done a previously on. So that when we saw this hallucination of Jane, it really was like Oh, oh is he losing it? Oh, is he losing it? Yeah, is he hallucinating? What if they had just called this episode the evolution of Frank? I think that would have been really interesting. It would have been a weird, like, you'd be like, the evolution of Frank. You're like, who the fuck is Frank? But like, Right, because it was 10 episodes think, ago. Exactly. I think if they had just named this episode 
the evolution of Frank, you would have been confused, but I think I would have liked the episode title better if they had done that. Honestly. Me too. Because it would have been like a little bit of a surprise, but then once you see Frank, you're like, oh my gosh, he like really goes bad now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like how could he get even more evil? But then the title kind of like spoils it for you. Yeah. Okay. And then Gideon's like, we both need a break. And Hotch says, Jason, he's like, yeah. And he goes, button mums are something you give your mother. And then hangs up. Then Gideon's just like, oh, yeah. It's very funny. I then- love that Hotch has opinions on flowers, actually. I think that's very sweet. I actually, love that he has opinions on flowers. The fact that Hotch is like, yeah, no, if you get roses, it means you're expecting sex. Hey, Hotch, mums are what you give your mother tells me that hotch has yeah opinions flower he has like opinions on flowers and i think it's sweet because then you can extrapolate it into like him getting flowers for Haley every time he comes home and like therefore he like knows everything and he like has opinions on like his favorite bouquets like okay but imagine reed having a date and hotch being like i know just the flowers to get and he's like i got you he's like He's like, let me call my florist. I can get you hooked up. Like, I was just going to say, we'll go to my flower guy. <laughs> I know a guy. Come on. <laughs> That's hilarious. Absolutely. Like a dad helping his son pick out a carnation for prom. Like, Absolutely. Uh... <laughs> okay. Gideon gets another call and says, Sarah. And we're like, oh, this must be the woman. He's like, I know I'm late. I'm sorry. And then it's Frank. And he's like, what is with your fascination with birds? And then it's just like, picture, 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 picture. And it's like paintings of birds, etchings of birds, books about birds. And then it shows Gideon has a statue of a knight. And I was like, call back. Oh, my God. He's a knight of the round table, isn't he? Calling all the way back, aren't we? I forgot that but they said who he was. I think he was like King Arthur. I think he was like the king. I and Hodge believe was so. Lancelot. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was Arthur. Yeah. But he has like the knight statue. And I was like, that's fun. And then there's a lot of trains. And Frank says birds are obsessional in their pursuit. And there's a lot of epi- a lot of mentions of like Gideon being obsessive in this episode except like we've had no indication that he's been hunting frank this whole time yeah like are we just supposed to believe that in the back i mean i if you tell me it i'll believe it but it's just like oh so in the background of all these episodes he has just also been looking for frank no indication ever that that was happening no indication yeah so Gideon is basically begging Frank not to hurt Sarah. She had nothing to do with this. She's just an old friend. And Frank confirms that Jane is in Washington, D.C. And there's a slow-mo of Gideon dropping the flowers. And it, like, splashes and they break. And I just, like, I did laugh out loud. I was like, he accepted the flowers. He paid his $30 for them. Turns around takes a phone call, and throws them on the ground. (laughs) The lady, God, can you imagine being the guy with the date and being like, 
you wasted so much of my time and then you threw yeah. them around. Yeah. Excuse me? Hello? Yeah, I just thought that was Yeah. Funny. And then we get the opening. We're at Quantico now. We see the pictures of kids. There's some bonsais. There's a degree. Okay, Strauss's degree is in behavioral psychology. I know she's like section chief, but mm-hmm. is she is she chief of like all of the BAU groups? Is that I assume? Yes, that's what I always thought she was. I was never quite sure like what exactly she was chief of, but I guess since we know in theory there's other BAU teams, she yeah. may be just kind of like the head of all the teams. Because the way, from now on, the way they talk about the BAU is that they are, like, the only ones. Like, she starts yes. saying, you know, with Hotch, I don't think you're fit to lead the BAU. Making it sound like he's the head of all the teams, or that there's only one team. So then, if there's only one team, what is she section chief of? Yeah. I think... I think that she is there are multiple BAU teams and she is the section chief of all of them or like just like of the FBI's like behavioral analysis units. Yeah, exactly. Anything that involves criminal behavior. I think she's probably the section chief of. Okay. I just thought it was interesting that her degree from a fictional university was in behavioral psychology because she never seems to have any idea what What the team does and minor spoiler i guess for season three episode two she goes out on a case and she's like acting like she's never seen a dead body before has no idea how to talk to people and it's like you've worked your way up to section chief becoming a section chief yeah and and i'll leave it until next season but you know we'll need to talk about her and emily and that kind of like females in the same field tension but how did she get this job how <laughs> like, did she get this job she seems entirely incompetent the entire time so it's just like odd that this is where she's ended up anyway she Hotch is pacing in front of her and he's like taking everything in profiling her and she's like reprimanding him he basically says like you haven't seen what i've seen so shout out to mel who's our shadow researcher basically (laughs) the the mel behind the curtain if you will i had them look up the magazines that strauss has just to be like what are they what they are what they are and so seed magazine those are like the couple that are on top the top one is from March of 2007. This episode takes place in May, so she's a little behind, but it's but recent. Yeah. Very um, feasible. Yeah, and the magazine looks at big ideas in science, important issues at the intersection of science and society, and the people driving global science culture. Ugh. Which I think is, right, super pretentious. It's also, it got shut down in 2012. Um, but it makes sense because later Hotch tells Strauss, like, you're posturing. 
like all of this is for show and so it makes sense that she picks this like pretentious science magazine yeah and like i guess she doesn't like she isn't like psychology but like that's not necessarily the kind of science this is it's more like chemistry and biology that kind of science like physical science yeah not like mental health science behavioral science i guess uh so it's interesting though that she has they picked a magazine that's very fitting for her to be like posturing you know i just thought that was fun so Hotch is talking about like at the end of the day after these unsubs do all this ter- these terrible things they believe that we are the only ones who understand them and we do understand them and oh yeah then it like flashes to her mouth and flashes to her fingers and like i can tell that we're supposed to be like oh he she's getting profiled but like it's weird i'm so self-conscious about like my fingernails and like my teeth and like everything that when i see close-ups like that i'm like do they they gotta get hand models like oh for sure well i don't know if they get hand models for like little ones like this but like i know they they absolutely had some fucking like makeup person like just over there specifically for her hands for sure and it's just like the close-up on her face i was like that's terrifying (laughs) not to look at to imagine someone zooming in on my chin area no thank you anyway so then Strauss is like, tell me what happened after you hung up with Gideon. And now it's like, oh, like for me, that question is like, oh, shit. So something did happen with Jane and Frank, like something bad happened. Something bad has happened. And it also lets us know that we are in the future. Yes. And I did yeah. that, actually. This is not the first time they do this. Um, no, they literally this do is it. not Season the last three, time they do one. this. Yeah, exactly. Um, just like I, I love this. Actually, I love the way they play with time. Me too. So we learned that at seven fifteen p.m., Hotch got a page to get the BAU together at Gideon's apartment. It's full of people. It looks like a grandmother's apartment. It for sure looks like my grandmother's apartment. Yes, it's full of people. He also lives in, it's a one bedroom, but it's got like French doors that if you closed, it would just be like a living room and a little mini kitchen. And it's like, Gideon, how much money do you have just like in the bank? Oh, so much. Like he has so much money. For sure. And he doesn't even live in like a house. He lives at like an apartment. Anyway. It's full of people. They're poking at everything. The first thing we notice is the table with the the plate laid out, and it's a glass of wine, cell phone on the table. I thought it was very interesting that Sarah was already at his apartment. Does she have a key to his apartment? Does she live with him, and this was just a special, like, date night? Was she in town and staying with him? And he like let her in earlier? I just have like a lot of questions. Like you're meeting for a lot of questions. You're meeting for dinner, but she's already in your apartment. She's making dinner and you're just coming home from work. Like Yeah. Interesting. What's up here? 
yeah so hot just taking everything in uh so many train close-ups again they show us all the trains again it's just like when you know how it ends you're like oh i get why there's train close-ups but at the beginning it's like i get it (laughs) he has model trains like okay get it he really digs trains yeah Derek shows up and it's like, what's going on? We find out that Gideon is missing. The police department, the DCPD, think he did it. He's a suspect. JJ and Reed show up. Then Emily shows up. And they're basically like, we can't get involved. There's a conflict of interest. And JJ is like, they're not going to ask for help. But he needs it. And Hodge is like, Gideon told me that he was late for a date. And everyone's like, oof. And meanwhile, in the background, that woman is like, every time, okay, every time one of them walks in, they look behind them and then like double take. They're like, what's that room? Oh, God. Like, (laughs) yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you know, we are quote unquote just here to answer questions, you know. And then nobody asks them a single question ever. They speak to no one. Like, are you kidding me? So JJ goes to take quick pictures on her cell phone. I like that Hotch assigns JJ. He's like, you know, you probably look through more crime scene photos than any of us. Like, do you want to oh, just yeah. go take a few and like with your phone? I know you probably have. The, she probably has the best phone with the best camera because oh, she's yeah. like she's got that good good work phone, that good BlackBerry. Like. Literally the newest BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. know what's interesting though. This reminds me of big game revelations where she's like i have to watch this video of this murder taking place to get like used to it when it's like you look at all of these crimes you were the first person to see any of these terrible crime scene photos yeah like why wouldn't she already have been like none of them watch murders taking place regularly they all look at the photos and she sees more of them than the others because she has to sort through and choose them. So I just thought that was interesting, like thinking back now to Revelations where she's like, I need to be desensitized. And it's like, no, you don't actually. You're good. But I don't think that they had given her that job yet. I think she was still like media liaison at that point. But the, sh- the show hadn't decided she chose cases yet. But well, also legacy yeah i'm trying to also like in north mammon she mentions that she's the one who picks the cases yeah she does pick the cases yeah she doesn't go out into the field or didn't go out into the field but she would have no need to desensitize herself so that's just like an odd she's already been desensitized yeah for sure yeah just thinking back like that's an odd thing anyway so yeah so she's like yeah i'll go get some good ones JJ casually just like, snap, snap. (laughs) So then we get, okay. We need to talk about cultural appropriation for a moment. Oh, we do? Penelope, Penelope walks into her office in a black wig and Uh a silk kimono. And that's what she wore for her date. And it's like, on the one hand, I love the idea of Penelope wearing wigs for funsies. On the other hand, it's the combo that gets to me. 
It is a little weird. I'm but not. Where is like kimonos a bunch, doesn't well, she? I, w- I was going to say, I'm not, I don't mind. Like, there are certain things that I am like a hard no. White people don't get dreadlocks. White people don't get cornrows. White people don't wear Native American, you know, religious accessories. Something like a casual, like, robe with the Chinese print that at this point in the mingling of cultures I'm not going to say that's you know appropriation Mm -hmm. especially because she's like a fucking later in the episode they show that she has a goddamn Dragon Ball Z statue like (laughs) figurine or whatever you know right I'm not going to begrudge her like an anime outfit but it's the for me it was the combo of the like straight black wig and the outfit it felt very like it was a little weird it felt very like I'm gonna go be an Asian woman on this date. That's that's. I just wanted to say it. I felt like I needed to say that that was yeah. weird. I have no other comments the on it. The vibes were a little off about that one. Yeah. So she comes in and she was like, "I was on a date with that guy from Counterterrorism. I we were a few drinks in. I was looking at second base. <laughs> I need a refresher. First base kissing. Correct." Second base above the waist or over the clothes? Above the waist or over the clothes, yeah. Third base in the clothes, but not penetrative. (laughs) (laughs) The rules are all fucked up for lesbians, but yeah, I think... For straight people. For straight people, I think Third base is like like hand and mouth stuff. Yeah, exactly. Third base okay. is like non-penetrative sex. Yeah, and then home base is just like sex, sex. Regular straight person sex, yeah. Boring. I know. Somebody's <laughs> getting penetrated, exactly. <laughs> Unless it's pegging. I'm always, I'm always on. Then I'm like, I'm always okay. a yay for pegging. Uh, you know Penelope Pegging pegs. is wheels up approved. <laughs> oh, pegging gets my wheels way up. <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 okay you got me anyway penelope's like this had better be good and jj goes oh it's far from good and then just a bunch of bloody <laughs> terrible pictures come up on the computer screen and penelope's like oh god where are you <laughs> i just like really funny can you okay JJ, who clearly knows, obviously would know Penelope as a date, yeah. calls her and is like, you have to go into work. And JJ, and, okay. JJ calls Penelope to tell her to come into work, but Penelope is already in the building. Like, in theory, she should be, like, leaving her dinner. Right? So my assumption now is her date's in the building. Why do you assume she's in the building? Because J- JJ has not even told her what's happening yet and penelope's already in her office but like i i assumed that just meant she was like close to the building and just like came in and i i assumed jj texted her go into work now call me when you're there and then penelope called her when she got into the building i assumed she was close to the building because she was on a date with some other fbi agent but okay 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 does that that helps (laughs) anyway but like okay jj's like hey i know you're on a date you gotta go into work and penelope's like jj i was about to get my boobs touched what is happening 
And JJ's like, nothing good, bestie. And then JJ just texts her a bunch of bloody pictures. And Penelope is like, where are you? And I feel like her next question is, did you do this? Do you need me to hide a body? Like, JJ's, because that's the thing, right? JJ is texting her these photos. Blackberry to Blackberry. Or like, and, and Penelope is like, where the fuck are you that you're taking pictures of a dead body on your phone? Like, Yeah, Gideon's for apartment. sure, for sure. Yeah, back to Gideon's apartment. There's no sign of forced entry. Okay. Derek does, he does his roleplay thing, but it's clearly like he's not actually roleplaying because they're trying to be subtle, but they still show him roleplaying with Sarah and with Frank. And he says, everything is as it was. Like, the way they're talking is, like, fan fiction. The way they're talking in this scene is so weird. It's so weird. Like, I can't tell if they think this is, like, super cool. Or if they're trying to be, like, dreamy. But why? Like, why is Emily in black and white for part of it? Why Why any of it? Why is it like Sarah POV were watching Frank on top of us? Like, it's really what? Weird. I just can't so tell. Weird. I can't tell what vibe this is supposed to be. Like, it almost feels like they went back to their horror movie roots, which I love. I love it. But it's weird. Okay. And like, it's not even going back to the like horror movie roots. It just feels wildly cheesy compared to the last few episodes. Yeah, it feels inauthentic. Yeah, it feels so weird. Yeah. So Derek is role playing kind of. He like is watching Sarah set up the date. She goes to the door. She just opens it because why wouldn't she? She's expecting Gideon. Oh my god! And then Frank- why would Gideon knock? He has his own key. Unless he gave the key to Sarah. Okay, actually, okay, feasible. Gideon seems like the dude who would only have one key to his apartment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay, no, I'm good. You <laughs> sneaked away, we're good. Thanks. But, okay, the way Frank- <laughs> Frank walks in! He, like, <laughs> if you don't know, we're, you can't see it, but we're both making the gesture <laughs> Frank makes. The door opens, and he's just, like, arm over his head- lunging in with i assume the needle that gives I her the guess. K, and then he carries her to the bed and like ties her down and, like she can't move but just like the image of her opening the door and he's just like he looks <laughs> it's so weird but i was just playing assassin's creed odyssey recently mm-hmm. uh he great game. great game i have too many hours in it Mood. um he poses like he's a fucking statue of Zeus or some shit. Like one arm extended out front, oh, one arm back. Like he poses yes. for like, sure. Like spear throwing almost. Yeah, or like lightning bolt throwing is how like Yeah. I literally that's what I thought about cuz last night I was on a statue of Zeus and I was like, "Huh. Interesting pose." And then I like watched this today and I was like, "Huh." <laughs> Okay, okay, interesting, interesting. I don't think that actually means in-universe he was posing like Zeus. However, that's just, like, 
if you didn't watch this episode, that's yeah. what you can relate it to. Yeah, arm back like he's throwing a football, but he's got like a needle of a syringe of ketamine. Where is he getting all this ketamine? What's up? Where's his truck parked right now? What vet did he steal this from? Does she have any money to get to DC? I just have some questions come to mind. How do they make money, period? Well, that was a question. The last time when they talked about his truck, they made it seem like it was, you know, he was like a road trucker, delivery driver. Yeah. But then it was just like a big pickup with like a camping van on the back. So like, what does he do for a living? Although we do learn this episode that his mother was a doctor. So maybe he's just rich. Frank? Yeah, his mother was a doctor. I thought they said she was a sex worker. She was only like 19. Oh shit, you're so right. I was thinking of the other Mary Brightcoff. One yeah, was a doctor. Yeah, they talked about like doctor and lawyer and nurse or whatever. Right. Yeah, but then oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she was she like was... very young. That was the they make a point so that poor. she was very young because... Jane was also very young when Frank kidnapped her or whatever. 22, yeah. Ugh. You're right, you're right. Yeah, so like, how do they get any money? At least, this reminds me, I always unfortunately think of Supernatural and that they establish very early on that they just keep opening credit cards in fake names. <laughs> And they Sorry, that, like, that's really funny to me, no, actually. No, it really is. And so in season one, they just start open. They have like a bunch of credit cards. And they're just like, this one's dead. This one's dead. This one's dead. And so for the rest of the show, you never have to ask where they're getting their money from. Because they established immediately how they do it. And, yeah. And I'm just like, I need that sometimes in other television shows. Like. Frank is not a long-haul trucker. He has a pickup and a camper Camp. van that's not even a camper. It's like a doctor's office back there for murder. <laughs> it's a murder doctor's office. So what does he do for a job? Like, I'm so confused, criminal minds. Anyway. What's going on here in this How episode? How did Jane get to DC? What were they doing for money? Why do they look exactly the same? Anyway, okay. Sarah has no defensive wounds because she didn't defend herself. I do like that, you know, even in the BAU's like role playing, it's Frank. You know, like technically only Gideon knows it's Frank. Yeah. But I like that they don't try to even hide that from us, the audience. Like, they're like, at this point, you know, it's Frank, like, whatever. And it makes sense that they're describing him, and they're so clearly describing Frank. And then they figure it out. And it's like, it could only be him, you know? So I like that they just, like, show him in the flashbacks. Because it's like, you're just waiting for them to get there. I like that. Okay. Oh, yeah, she's in a K-hole. They keep showing us her eyes, 
and then switching to Frank, like us on the bed looking up at Frank. And then it's like, Emily's like, he keeps cutting and cutting the knife and extension of his arm, never letting her die. She's alive through each and every cut until finally, mercifully, she passes away. <laughs> it's like black and white, which Emily it's looks so great It's so weird. In. It's so weird. Obviously, Emily looks great. And you're like looking at him. And then when she's like passed away, like blood splurts up on Frank. It's weird. Ugh. Yeah. And so Emily's like, okay, he cut her open and he took her right rib bone. And they're like, hey, look at her right hand. There's the rib bone. And then you get a flashback to Jane's wind chimes and Emily going, it's human rib bones. And they're like, oh, it's Frank. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. We've talked about the flashbacks a little bit, but mm -hmm. it's odd to me the way they're so clearly like the audience is not going to remember. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, here's, here it is. Here it is. Sometimes I watch episodes of Criminal Minds. And they show us things, and I'm like, I would have loved a reminder of some sort, a flashback, a something. And then this episode, I get it. Every time they're like, rib bones, then they're like, here are the wind chimes. Every time this, they're like, here's him saying it. And I'm just like, I don't know if I need this. <laughs> I don't know if I want this. I think it's because it's like every single time this episode. You know, like I didn't mind the three seconds of the wind chime. But later it's like Gideon is word for word saying what Frank is saying in the flashback. Yeah. And that's just and like, like, but why? It's it's they overdo it this time, but also like it hasn't it's been a while since we've seen Frank. Sure, 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 sure. Hasn't been that long. Half a season is not that long in terms of like criminal minds, right? Like they bring some of these people back seasons later. It was also a very memorable thing. The rib bones. Especially like in the previous episode, it's like all of her whistles and wind chimes were bones. Like we're going to remember that. You don't need to like show that she's holding her rib bone and then remind us why a rib bone is important. You know what I mean? Like, so, she also doesn't even have the whistle this episode. Uh, I literally was like, where's your whistle? Yeah, like, what? Yeah. Just like, what's going on here? It was just odd. It was odd how much they used it, the way they used it. Anyway, the fact that everybody remembered everything verbatim. Perfectly. Perfectly. And I'll show you what I mean, especially, like, with Derek. I hate it. Okay. And then, oh yeah, so Emily's like, but in the past, he left the rib bones for Jane. They were gifts to Jane's. And, you know, Hotch and everyone, they're like, this time it's a gift for us. It's a message to let us know that it's Frank. Great. Gideon great. is looking wonderful. at, great, wonderful. Penelope is looking at Gideon's notebook. She sees the list of numbers. Zooms in on it. And it's like, okay. And then we go back to the apartment. Okay. I need to air a gripe. Mm -hmm. JJ has not been with the team as much this season. 
And so Emily is the one who's like, what's a house cleaner? Why can't we tell the police? And it's just like, Emily would not be asking these questions. You know, like if Emily's good enough to make the team, why would she not know what a house cleaner is? Yeah. She's taking the courses. It's like, she's asking dumb questions. And Hotshike, and especially here, Hotshike is already strongly implied that they are not working with the police. You know, they're doing this themselves. So she shows up and goes, okay, time to tell the police what we know. It's you know? just so weird. It's also like, do you guys have to have the woman do this every time? That's exactly it. It's like, I know that Emily's the new like woman, but it's like, first it was Alan JJ and now it's like JJ and Penelope and Emily. It's like all the women. And it's like, I get, okay. The other thing is like, I get that it's always going to have to be the women in this show because the women keep leaving <laughs> and you keep getting new women. But right. also, yeah. for real? I wish in they In front of really... God and everyone? You're just going to do this? <laughs> I wish they had really focused on people's specializations. And, and they so do later. They do. Especially but with, like, Derek. they I remember there, there's one where they're like, oh, yeah, you specialize on, like, child and obsessional crimes. Like, they lean on their specializations later. Yeah, that's in seven seconds. Also but, that, yeah. But it just feels like there should be areas where it's, like, one person knows instead of all but one person knows. You know what I mean? Like, the way Reed has all the answers about a bunch of stuff. Like, there should be some stuff that only Emily has the answers to. Some stuff that only, you know, JJ has the answers to, that only Derek does. And it's just, like, weird that it's, like, always, you know, you're right, the yeah. woman, because she's the newest. But I just it's was, just like, always, yeah. I was just, like, especially with the house cleaner thing. I was just, like, Ugh. and they never give Emily, like, a questioning line. She just is, like, huh? I has to like shake it, look confused. I'm like, I hate this. Okay. They're basically like, we can't tell the police. They're going to implicate Gideon, you know, and they're like, okay, well, last time they're trying to figure out why Frank is doing this. And it's like, is he killing for Jane? Maybe he killed her. And that's why this is happening. Hotch, Reed, and, or Derek, Reed, and Emily go down to look at where Gideon went, because apparently witnesses saw Gideon run out covered in blood. And they go down to see if they can see anything and figure it out. I don't know. Hot just a phone call from Gideon from a payphone. He's like in the dark, still bloody, calling from a payphone. And basically he's like And this is where they do that dumb shit where they're like every time they show Gideon on the payphone, they're like using little clips like going backwards and forwards in time. And like I thought this was supposed to be like a oh yeah, you're seeing Gideon, he's kind of like losing it right now. But then as the scene goes on, you realize that the scenes like the the stuff they're using to like go back and forwards is like I thought it was just Gideon losing his mind, but then you're like, oh, why are you using this split-second clip of him walking away from the phone again? You know? Like, it's so weird. Like, at first, I thought it was just him losing it, but then, like, as the scene goes on, you realize that they're just playing with time backwards and forwards, and it's like, <sighs> come on. 
I think Aww. part of it too is they really want to do this playing with time, playing with all this kind of stuff, but this all takes place really quickly. You know, it's so, not that long of a phone call. No, <laughs> and so they have they have to keep going back the same five seconds because it's like a 10 second phone call yeah uh basically gideon saw frank walking away dropped something in the trash but gideon couldn't get it jane wasn't with frank but gideon saw her before and hotch is like okay frank's out of his comfort zone we're gonna get him and gideon's blaming himself he was like i was late because i was working so technically she died because of our work I'm going to turn myself in. And Hotch is like, absolutely not. All that's going to do is lock you in an interrogation room. Everything's going to get slowed down by the police question you. Like, absolutely not, Jason. I'm going to have Garcia meet up with you, bring you your files. We're going to get him. Get in. Great. So then, em okay. Emily looks so good in this scene for no reason. Yeah. It's like windy. It's blowing her hair back. The police lights and there's like a spotlight. She looks like a fucking supermodel. She's in like a white tank top with this dark blue shirt over. She just looks like God. Patrick Brewster is really just walking around looking like She's that. She's so pretty. Like what? What is up? Like she's like, so pretty. Can you imagine just just looking like that? She literally like just walks around like that. Like are you kidding me? She just looks like that. And, and I know like, there's like okay, yeah, sure, there's like makeup and the magic of TV, etc., etc., etc. I was just going to say that. You can't change your bones. She no. just got bones like that. I was just going to say that. I was once a woman. I am married to a woman. I know what it looks like when you take off your makeup and you look like a real person. When you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Sorry. When you're pretty, you're pretty. It's just <laughs> how it works. That's okay. We all have our strengths in life. Also, most women wear makeup all the time. Can you imagine? God, imagine just walking down the street and you look over and it's just the most beautiful woman you've ever seen in a Trader Joe's. Like, how do you handle that? <laughs> like if I was out bike riding and I looked over and there's just like AJ Cook in a <laughs> in a sports bra and tights riding her fucking scooter, I'd be like, "Kill me! I'm never gonna see anything better." How do you live like <laughs> I've that? Peaked. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've peaked. I exist in the same time as this superhuman. How do I live with myself? Like, are you joking? Anyway. None of that is what this is about. <laughs> like, but here's the thing is Patrick Brewster just looks like that. Like, she just looks like that. She still looks like that. And also, okay, I didn't, I don't think this went in the episode. She's going to be a gray haired Emily Prentice. And I'm going to fucking die. Are you joking? Truly MILF alert. Emily has become the MILF alert for real. Yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. Oh, forget it. God. I'm gay. Sorry. I'm so gay. <laughs> Not sorry. Anyway, the three of them reconvene. They've been out. Derek, Reed, and Emily have just been kind of like walking around. I don't know. And they're saying if people saw Gideon, then they saw Frank. 
but you know no one's looking for frankie didn't have blood on them which is weird but emily points out he had access to gideon's entire closet and you know frank was like in his head roasting gideon for his shit ass taste and fashion you know you know it he opened the the closet and saw like a million of those like quarter zip button-ups from like 1997 was like oh yeah boy for real He's like, I have to wear these fucking white Adidas. Like, okay. <laughs> I will give them one of the flaws in this episode, though, is that Frank still dresses like he's in a tucked in button down when he sees Rebecca. Like, he's not like dressed. He doesn't wear his clothes like Gideon wears his clothes. He's wearing them very like neat, and, like put together. Um, I wish they had just like leaned in and have him be like open short sleeve button down <laughs> jeans yeah dad sneakers anyway okay so the three of them are standing around and they're like he had gideon's whole closet but then where the blood soaked clothes and hotch is like right here and he just holds up a bag and he's like they were in the trash i talked to gideon and then he's like you talked to gideon so we can end this we found gideon and hotch is like now no anyway is this the first time actually is this the first time the team sort of like go against the police and sort of like go rogue because it kind of seems like the first time the teams go and rogue like this or at least that we've seen i think so like you know what i mean you get them like you know bossing the team around like in no way out part one they're like, you have to wait 15 minutes. But I think this is the first time they keep information from the police. And this is like the first time, yeah, this is the first time they do that, I think. Which is interesting that it happens here when Gideon's already, like, manic. On the run. And on the run. And they sort of, like, do it to quote-unquote protect their own. Ugh. And this, okay. We might as well talk about this, right? It's starting. It's beginning. The team, I mean, it's always been a little reckless, like JJ pulling the Patriot Act out of her back pocket. Like, they've already been a little weird. The whole, like, CIA episode last season. Uh Uh-huh. But the team gets really protective of themselves. And instead of seeing themselves as a group within a branch within a section of the u.s government they see themselves as a unit and they're gonna do what it takes to stop bad guys and to protect each other and it's difficult right because in an episode like this there's quote-unquote good reason for it they're on a clock we know for a fact gideon is innocent yeah Mm -hmm. you know hotch is like the blood analysis is going to take forever to come back we'll still give it to them i'm just not going to tell them where gideon is you know so it's like we'll let them do their part but we have to work faster and it's like okay fine and it ends with frank dying so they don't have to worry about it like holding up in court but as time goes 
on and the storylines become more about things happening to the team, it gets gray and then it kind of gets full bad. <laughs> they become more extrajudicial as time goes on. I'm trying to think of like the right word for it. I think extrajudicial is a little bit the right word for it. No, yeah, it is for sure, for sure. But like, you know, we've talked about the idea that like when people choose to leave the team, they They essentially, they die, right? If you break this bond, you're dead to us. You're dead to us. Exactly. And, but the people that stay then become more and more like, insular and mm-hmm. cult like isn't the right word but you know what i mean they beca- it's about them and each other and this bond and they have to protect those people even yeah. if it's literally internationally illegal <laughs> so yeah so you're right this is the first time that they're like we have to protect our own and like fuck the police even though we are just the more police police police. yeah yeah for sure for sure it's just like it's just weird i guess in theory depending on how you read the episode profiler profiled when morgan escapes yeah i guess but that's just morgan well but this is also just gideon right but Profiler profile, though, they still work with the police. True. But they, they do the this same thing. One, of they show up and they say, oh, we're here you're now. right. They say everything in your profile is correct, but it's not him. We know it's not him because he's one of us. He wouldn't do this. I know yeah. everything you have points to him, but no, it's not him. Yeah. And what we're going to do is prove it's not him. I don't care if we find the right person. We're just going to prove it's not Derek. So I think that's kind of the like first. That's the first. That's them dipping their toes into it. This one yeah. though feels like the first time they're fully like, for real. These four people are the only ones we can trust. Everybody else, fuck off. We are doing what we are yeah. doing now. It's exactly that. We only trust each other. We like we only trust the five of us and all that. And even then, well, I can't really mention this without spoiling. But even then, we get like groups within the group. You know, we have two people who only have the knowledge. Yeah. And this and that. And it's just like, it's really toxic. <laughs> for sure. I'm going to say. Sure, for sure, for sure. I'm going to say toxic. Toxic is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Okay. They're all standing there being toxic and avoiding the police. Oh, pull this pin. A kid comes up and he says. They say beauty can cover a multitude of sins, while underneath it all, we look exactly the same. That's from No Way Out, the first one. Mm-hmm. That's what Frank says to Derek, because Derek is beautiful, and that's just a fact. Because Derek is so pretty. Yeah. And Derek literally is like, hey, Frank said that to me months and months ago. Hold on. It's time for me to pull up this timeline because some of the shit they remember i'm like bruh how many cases have you had 
But also... Five months. It has been almost to the day. Five months. Since Frank said that. And Derek is like, yeah, yeah, I remember that one line that one guy said. Five months ago. And I definitely held on to it even though I never expected to see this man again. It's just up in the old noggin. <laughs> Five months ago. Yeah. And it's not even Gideon. Like, I, I'll give Gideon a pass because it's fucking Gideon. This is just like Derek is like, oh, yeah, this guy called me pretty on the outside and ugly on the inside. Like, Derek really mm. held on to that. <laughs> <laughs> he really internalized that. He was yeah. like, I'm ugly on the inside, guys. <laughs> guys, am I ugly on the inside? We, okay. Hmm. Peek behind the curtain. Okay. We're recording this episode in August. March 19th. A Saturday, five months ago. Do you remember anything you said <gasps> that day? No. Go back and search our DMs. What's the closest we can come to March 19th? And let's both guess what the other said that day. Like, what were we talking about March 19th? 2000. We didn't say anything to each other that day, I guess. <laughs> kind of obsessed, actually. Oh, here we go. The 21st. We were, oh no, that's actually really sad. Okay, first we were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about fucking Josh. Oh, a terrible day. Oh, this is sex birth death. We were talking about that sex birth That was sex birth, birth death. death. It's literally the day we recorded sex birth death. Hey, question. What did we name the episode for sex birth death? <laughs> I'll go pull it up now, but what did we name the episode for Sex Birth Death, which for reference was 211? Um <laughs> It's something wild, isn't it? <laughs> the episode title for Sex Birth Death that we recorded on pretty much five months ago to this day is Little Freak Energy. <laughs> <laughs> little freak energy stop our episode titles that's like to our horn so funny our episode titles are really funny but this just goes to prove girl what the fuck were you what the fuck are you remembering like literally i think he just pretended from five months ago he was just like oh yeah frank said that to me <laughs> he was like let's see we're probably talking about frank that sounds like something frank would say to me that's how, that absolutely sounds like it. I said jokes on you because JJ and Hotch are matching in this episode. And then I sent you a picture of them standing giving the press conference where Hotch's tie and JJ's shirt are the same shade of red. And here's the funny thing, too, is mm -hmm. that is mentioned in our episode description for 211 Little Freak Energy I edited that episode, so I did edit out a whole bunch of you talking about that ship we don't talk about. <laughs> yeah? I don't remember any of that shit. I'm going to be very real with you. Not I don't remember right that second. shit. The only reason I even remember Dance Dance Evolution is because we mention it every time we record. And also, it's really funny. <laughs> and also, it's really funny. Also, it's just good. Maybe, maybe Derek just, like, really internalized so we can unpin that boom i said remember that line boom it's remembered 
Love that. Yeah. We're slowly taking pins down from the murder board that we have in our podcast studio, basically. Remember when I fucking pulled out an episode one pin? Nice. Yeah. Put a pin in that. Nice. When we get a... I like how I say when. When we do some sort of like physical studio, I'm making you write all those up and putting them on a big board behind us so we can pull pins out as we go along. Oh, I'll do it. It's fun and tactile. Absolutely. I, that's how I remembered the Gideon one. I had it on a post-it note. I wrote that shit down. Yeah. Okay. Then the kid says, give me Jane or I'll kill them all. And everyone, oh, all the adults are like, what is going on? Or like, okay, <laughs> the kid rolls up and is like, they say beauty can uncover. Our mo-. And Emily looks down and goes, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, she's like straight up about to punt this kid. She is going to kick this child. Like, she looks at him and is like, what the fuck is going on right now? Emily is both like big mother energy and also big lesbian aunt energy. For it's, sure, big lesbian aunt energy. You know what it is? She sees a young girl child and is like, this is mine. I she sees a protect. young, yeah, she sees a young boy child and she's like, disgusting. She's Get like, away you'll from be me. okay. <laughs> she's like, you'll be fine. She's like, I know what you become. Get out of here. Yeah. Okay. And then the kid's like, can I have my 10 bucks now? Which is so funny. Does anybody give him the 10 bucks? No, they don't. What they the they all just like look around for Frank and they that doesn't get resolved. It's so funny though. Okay, listen. Mm-hmm. Okay, Frank mm-hmm. was covered in blood. He puts mm-hmm. his bloody clothes into a bag, changes into Gideon's outfit, goes down to the street, walks off somewhere, dumps the bag, finds a kid on a skateboard and goes, hey, you see those group of people over there? If you go say this, they'll give you 10 bucks. And the kid goes, okay. He skates over and is like, they say beauty can cover a multitude of sins, while underneath it all, we all look exactly the same. Give me Jane or I'll kill them all. Can I have my $10? Like, what is this kid? Like, don't talk to strangers. Also, is this- Yeah, what the fuck? Is this the same kid we saw skateboarding at the beginning of the episode? Weird. Oh, shit. Wow. Oh, shit, Maybe they only had one extra who knew how to skateboard that day. It's like someone's nephew was on set. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Although he has a line, so maybe he got his SAG card. (laughs) Okay. Then we cut to Garcia in her orange T-bird with the top down. As scared as she is, the top is down. It is so important that the top is always down on this. Oh, it is so important. It's so important. She has a rainbow lay, like those flower necklaces, a rainbow lay hanging from her rearview mirror. And mm-hmm. I was like, nice little dink dink. <laughs> little, okay. just, just a little bit. Just sprinkle it in there. So... People call Garcia Tech Kitten all the time in the fandom. Uh-huh. I always thought that was something Derek called her. She fucking calls herself a gorgeous also, Tech Kitten. Tech Kitten is like a internet term too. Is it really? Yep. Mm-hmm. For it is. like, like for like gamer girls. I only know about it. Okay, there's one. There's one reason I know this is a term. 
we're not going to get into all the levels of convoluted here, but um, do you remember a few months ago that shit god awful animated trailer for like Crypto Island? <laughs> yeah. They mentioned tech kittens in that trailer and also like hmm. uh like some types of hackers are also called like script kitties like oh there's, sort of, there's a lot of influence there yeah there's a lot of like i just know that tech kitten is a term and i assume it's like a somewhat derogatory term for women in tech but sexy women who know how to code exactly but also god if i was garcia sure baby call me whatever you want <laughs> Garcia gets to self-identify. Garcia, oh no. She's earned it. Dare I say this? Garcia's a furry. Oh, she 1000% is. Are you kidding me? She gives big furry energy, at least in she these does. early seasons. No, in also, all the seasons. In all the seasons. She also gives off, this is just a personal headcanon of mine, but she also gives off big monster fucker energy. Oh, And sometimes those Honda. do go hand in hand. But yeah, she gives off Big monster fucker energy. God, the fucking like Derek Penelope. She's like, I'm just a little kitten. And he's like, I'm fucking Godzilla. <laughs> you know? And she's like, oh no. They What's have a kitten such to a do? funny dynamic though. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally some like forty thousand you know, four thousand dollar jet black suit with like spikes and big teeth and she's got like a tail on her belt and ears and she's like this is the same (laughs) yeah she does give off big furry energy and i mean this in the nicest way possible oh for sure i love furries y'all are my favorite people (laughs) goodness i i'm not gonna say that okay they're fun She's writing the own her own like news report for when they find her dead, gorgeous tech so kitten in car alone at night with files of the very murderer who killed her, Quantico's finest, and then Gideon just shows up and goes drive, drive, <laughs> and she's like, okay, yes, driving, <laughs> just like drives away. It's so funny. Okay. So we see the cops like putting evidence bags in the back of the truck and the BAU is still like not telling them everything. And they're basically like, if we find Jane, we'll find Frank. And then they're like, cool, makes sense. But when he says kill them all, who is them? Who does he want to kill? Great. Cut to JJ. (sighs) Jennifer Giroux. Outfit check. Mm Mm-hmm. She's wearing one of those tank tops with like the built-in bra cups. It is this beautiful maroon that makes her skin just glow. Her hair, her hair, homosexual, gay, 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 homosexual, gay. Her blonde hair cascades down her shoulders. All right, you're not writing right now. Come on. Her wispy bangs. She's got her little hoops, her classy hoop earrings. Forget about it. I'm gay for her. Whoa, wait, you're gay? I had no idea. Wow. Only oh my for God. her. Only for her. Like, honestly, Jennifer Truro is like kind of my one exception. 
<laughs> she's my one hall pass. <laughs> Jesus. Sharon is still like, wait, is Emily the blonde or the brunette? And I'm like, I have a literal sweater that says Emily Prentice and a shirt that says Jenna Pajero with their pictures. And Sharon's like, yeah, I don't care about your show. I found <laughs> like, that okay. shirt. I found that shirt the other day when I was cleaning. I was like, I should put this more into the rotation. This I wear it quirky but fun. I wear it so much that the image is beginning to like flake off of how much we wash it. <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you. I've worn it maybe once, maybe no, twice. No, it's fine. It's one it's, of my. It'll like, be funny then when we wear them together, and yours is like flaked and faded, what? and mine is like pristine. Pristine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, JJ beautiful jj also okay not to sexualize this woman who's like 12 years older than i am but it's really funny to see her like this and she has like smaller breasts because once she has two kids it is like holy shit (laughs) it's like yeah i was like i was like girl are you wearing that without a bra because like yeah even i couldn't i was like what are you that's why i I assume it has one of those built-in bras i could never wear those my boobs are too big yeah exactly same yeah but I was like, she's got to have, like, little, just no bra. But then when, once she has babies, they're like, bazookas, you know? <laughs> you can't say that. Big, like, bahonkas. We cannot say that. Just amazing. We cannot say that. Baba Ramas, you we know can... what I mean? Girl. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'd have two kids if it made me look like that. <laughs> how does she get, how does AJ Cook have a better six pack post two babies? I hate her. I love her, but I hate her. Anyway. Anyway. JJ's looking at printouts of the pictures that Garcia, she sent Garcia. She picks up one file. There's a picture of Gideon's notebook. The one with the numbers. And she calls Emily. By the way. She calls Emily. Of course. Why? And Emily's like, Emily's like, JJ? Okay, this episode is so gay. Okay. She's like, JJ? And JJ's like, yeah, Gideon had this book. It's clearly his handwriting. The first page is ripped out, but there's this like list on the side. And Hotch is like, oh, it's his murder book. Why do you call it his murder book? Literally, Emily looks at Hotch and goes, murder book? <laughs> murder book they're like, like yeah yeah it's got all the people a list and reed knows about it too it's a list of all the people he's saved i would like so to say not murdered the opposite of murdered well no, no 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 we see later him pasting pictures of the people who did die but so the keep first it in a different notebook the, oh, separate I... your notebooks listen i just want to say Hey, Gideon, if you've been at the BAU for like 30 years, why is the list of people you've saved like 12 names long? That's what I'm saying. They have to be different books, right? Maybe he's just filled so many. I thought they were different books because I thought that the first book, the murder book that they showed had a different like 
it was a different type of paper than the one like it was a different like grid marking versus the one that we see later where it's like a regular ruled marking no it's ruled in the first because you see his like he's writing in it like a journal the first page is a list of people he saved yeah and then he starts writing and then in the back he puts pictures of the people who died you can also write on grids the same way. I just thought it looked gridded when I saw the saw it in the app. Maybe it was just me. I'm pretty sure it's a regular line. Okay. That's why I thought they were two separate notebooks. No, no, I'm pretty sure it's one notebook. I'm pretty sure he's got just a bunch of them that he's filled. Or he's only actually saved 12 people. <laughs> we know that's not true, right? There's been a bunch of episodes, but still... <laughs> It was just weird. I was like, why is this nine names? They come in later, they're like, we've got nine possible names. And it's like... Nine names that are like in the area or whatever. Like, it's just yeah, weird. It was weird, I don't know. So, it has the list of the people, all the people he saved. Names, dates, and details. Each one only had one line on the paper. It was like, one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. So it can't be that many details. Uh, and then Hotch is like, JJ, make a list. We're going to warn them. And nobody tell Gideon that Frank has this list. Nobody tell Gideon. So, cut to Gideon washing blood off his hands. Flashbacks. Yeah, and he has flashbacks. It's all bad. Then we realize we're at the Smithsonian with the guy from the big game. The guy that we were like, that's gay. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that guy again. And he's like, take all the time you need. I'm here for you. Sorry for your loss. Gideon is so out of it. He like can't answer. So Garcia is like, thank you. And the guy's like, take all the time you need. And then he looks at Garcia and goes, take care of him. And she's like, I will. Which is cute. I like that they paired up Garcia and Gideon for this. Remember when she was just the girl who's in a room with a lot of screens? You mean the girl with the screens? You know, girl with the screens. Mm-hmm. It's a weird pairing, but I do enjoy it. But I also feel like Garcia probably was not having a good time. No. I do like, though, that... See, it makes sense for Garcia to have... Like, it makes a little bit of sense for JJ not to know all these things. It makes a lot of sense for Garcia not to know all these things. But I like that he has kind of, you know, grown fond of her. So... You know, she has her idea and she's like, that's stupid. And he's like, no, it's not stupid. Talk to me about that. You know, and I liked that it was like yes. fatherly. He's, I just, he's come around a little bit. I realized that like with the young people on the team, he bonded with Reed. He bonded with Penelope. I cannot think of a single time he and JJ have spoken to each other. <laughs> she saw him and she had that instinct that all queer people do where you like see your uncle at thanksgiving and you're like no he would not be kind and so she just leaves yeah after this episode penelope's like gideon was really nice to me and jj's like oh really i hope (laughs) i that's wonderful good wow that's good i'm glad that that wasn't as bad as it could have been and the conversation she's like i am never going to talk to gideon thank you like (laughs) absolutely not even with rossi she never gets like close that close to him she gets closer but never like she, that close with him yeah she keeps her distance from rossi and hotch and gideon i think kind of 
Hot she's a little bit closer with, but like yeah. I feel like she kind of keeps her distance between the older men on the team. Yeah, I think she does too. Yeah, like Hotch, she gets to be, when she comes back, she's a little more like his equal, it feels like. Yeah. But she very much stays with like Penelope and Emily and Derek and Reed if she has to. If she has to. If she has to. Gideon and Garcia talking. Another unpin. Unpin this. Another one. This one is from the big game. Gideon looks at that same picture of a mockingbird and once again says the mockingbirds have a really complex syntax. We can learn about the evolution of human language from the mockingbird. And it's the same picture and very similar to things to what he said during the big game about that mockingbird picture. And then he turns around and he says, we need to understand the evolution of Frank. What created him? Music. Music. The evolution of Frank. Bum, bum, bum. Do, 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 do. Okay. We're flashing on pictures, framed pictures, of children from Gideon's office. One of them is fucking what's-his-face from Sex, Birth, Death. Nathan. There's a picture of him. Oh, God, there is. Yeah. One, like They just short in the corner, and I was like, Oh, one of them is also um, Rebecca, Amanda Bonero. Yes, and we see her again later. Yeah, but they had the picture of Nathan, and I was like, oh, that's a <laughs> choice. <laughs> he, he Interesting. Did almost die, probably in an institution right now, but okay. <laughs> Great. JJ has set up all these pictures in the briefing room. She's like, I gave Jane's pictures to the DCPD. And to other people, they'll let us know if she comes in. And Hotch, they're basically like, Hotch is like, we cannot let her be questioned by the police. And this time, Derek and JJ are both like, um, and Hotch is like, no, she needs to come here. She needs to talk to us so we can find Frank. And it's like, okay. Emily and Reed come in. They have narrowed it down to nine possible people. And Hotch is like, grab phones and start calling. Then we see Rebecca. It took me forever to remember her name. I was like, that's Amanda Bonero. Yeah. And I was like, uh, what was, happy who's this, that? Happy she gets another paycheck, I guess. Question I get, mark. I mean, she's been getting them. She's the researcher. Oh, right. I forgot that she was technically on there as a researcher. Whatever the fuck. Fuck that job is for criminal minds because it's wrong. I wrote it's what's her face from the Fisher King. <laughs> and then Frank is like, Rebecca. And I was like, yeah, ah, beautiful. Frank is pretending to be Gideon. And then we get a flashback to Fisher King part two when they like rescue her from the burning firehouse. And hey she guys, says Fisher King part two. <laughs> hey guys, remember? Remember Literally the other end of the season. <laughs> Fisher King Part yeah. 2. Hey, remember L? L was in this season. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's been a while. It's been a long season. It really has been. She says she doesn't think of herself as a victim. And Frank is Which like... Which I like that, actually. 
Me too. I like that she says, I don't think of myself as a victim. And then it also serves to make it all the more gross when he very clearly does just think of her as a victim. You know what I mean? Like, it very much serves to sort of, like, show this divide where we, we you know, applaud criminal minds quite often for making their victims more than just victims. This very clearly shows that. Yeah. I guess, like, that conflict. Yeah, and I do really like that because 2007 seems right for the timeline of when, you know, survivors of rape or violent crimes or cancer or things like that really kind of started pushing back against the term victim. Yeah. And kind of, like, being stripped of agency, you know, because it's like, I did all I could I'm I'm not you know a victim you know there's there's no power I guess in that word and that's why people go with like survivors or I'm living with or things like that Mm -hmm. so I like that she doesn't think of herself as a victim yeah I like that and yeah you're right 2007 does seem about the right time for that yeah when we started really getting into that. Also, her apartment was so cute. It was, actually. It was it actually, was. Like, it was, like, really cozy. That, like, the little, I don't know, I just, I really actually liked it as well. Yeah, and she, like, sat on her, like, comfy couch in her sweatpants, and I was like, that looks so comfy, girl. And I was like, girl, I wish I had a better couch. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that was really, I was like, I've been living with, like, uh, like, $80 Ikea futon for the last mm. four years or so. So I'm like, damn, I really want like a comfy couch. Yeah. We like spent $200 on a futon six years ago. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we actually just, when we moved, Sharon, God bless, the master of Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> I mean, we got like bookshelves and a dining table with four chairs and all this shit off Facebook by page. But we got these two matching couches, like a three cushion and a two cushion. Comfy as shit. For like God, 50 I, bucks. I, I was like to... genuinely life changing. I need to. I think that's going to be one of my first big purchases after I move is like get it's a worth better it. couch. It's honestly worth it. Because I spend so much time on my couch playing video games and stuff. Yes, exactly. Like, my ass hurts when I sit on my couch now. I, for real, had to, like, move my spot on the couch over so I could find some place that still had, like, stuffing. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I got a better couch. I know, I know. It's honestly, like, going from sitting on the couch, I nap on the couch... It's like genuinely like... Oh, this does not stop me from napping on my shitty Ikea futon, but it does make me regretful afterwards. I was going to say, but it feels good when I sleep on my couch. I (laughs) wake up rested and not in pain. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, 100. 100. Anyway. She doesn't think of herself as a victim. He is so creepy. He's fucking creepy. Like, he's not even trying. Even before he starts listing, like, rape statistics, he is just bad juju all around. So he has a letter Rebecca broke Gideon. Okay, I didn't like... I I don't know if I said to pin this before, but I'm making a 
sticking retroactive a... pin. Yes. She says, you're the only member of the team I didn't meet. That's not fucking true. Elle was in the hospital. She didn't meet Elle. But she might have just also not known Elle existed. Because Elle doesn't exist anymore. When she went onto the FBI's website to look up the BAU, Elle was probably gone. And so she was like, okay, I know. No, Elle has like three more episodes after that. She that's Fisher King part one. Elle leaves in episode like five. Yeah, but maybe she took some time before she wrote that letter. But like, wouldn't you write a letter to like you wrote a letter to Gideon? I would also write a letter to the person who was shot while the team was trying to save me. I don't know. I think. Here's what I think happened. All right? Okay. Fisher King Part 2 happens. It's okay. a goddamn mess. <laughs> Elle is still with the team for a few months after that, timeline-wise, I think. She takes for about a, a month, six, maybe. She takes like a six-month break and then comes back for a couple months. Okay. You're Rebecca. It's a year. It's the year anniversary of when you got saved Mm -hmm. you look on the fbi's website the behavioral analysis unit you find the team that saves you you recognize everybody's picture except for gideon's you write him a letter on the year anniversary of when you were saved or something like that is that when she wrote it they don't say when she wrote it but it doesn't mean she had to have written it right away i assumed it was like she was saved she got to thank the team in person and then she sent a letter to the team member she didn't actually get to meet i think no that wouldn't be like my state of mind right i would be like i would not write a letter until my therapist was like hey maybe you should write a letter (laughs) you know like i would thank the people and then i'd be like okay we're done and then in the course of my own healing over the next year i would be like you know maybe i should thank the other person as well or maybe write a letter to like the bau in general but also include a special page for that guy i didn't meet i would you know what i'm talking about you feel me i guess i don't know how attached i feel to those people yeah, I like, also don't. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I definitely like thank you profusely at the time and, you know, in court and all of that. But when, you know, things are done, like, okay. Also that, yeah. I don't know as though <laughs> I would feel that, but I've also never been in a situation like that. So That's true. I watch, like, there's all those videos of people being like, they went back to see the police officer that saved them from drowning six years ago. And the police officer sees them and is immediately like, oh my god, it's you. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm partially face blind. There is no world in which I (laughs) remember. But again, it's like I've never saved someone. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd remember that much so much. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't think <laughs> I don't think it is unreasonable that she waited a bit of time before writing a letter to Gideon. In the course of like, you got a lot of shit going on when you're healing from all that. Like 
But to say you're the only member of the team I didn't meet, like, did she, has she not read any of the news articles? Anything that would have also had Elle's name there? I don't know. Maybe she was just, like, figured Elle... I mean, Elle vanished, right? Elle's just gone. I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like the response would be like, I'm glad I met you, you know. I I did get to meet you or Agent Greenaway. Like, just up. I don't know. That that's not how I would go about the conversation. Anyway, this is going on for too long. But like <laughs> I don't think it's unreasonable that when she looked at the BAU website, she only saw Gideon as the only one she didn't recognize. You know what I mean? Do you think their pictures are all up on the BAU website? I mean, I assume the FBI has some fucking like roster directory or whatever. I can't imagine they wouldn't. I think government employees have to be somewhere. Frank starts giving, like, weird rape statistics that, like, people who are raped once are more likely to be raped again. I can't imagine that's true. Or if that was a theory or statistic, it is not anymore. Yes. I can't. And Rebecca's like, question mark, question mark, I wasn't raped. And he's like, your letter was so vague. And she's like, oh shit, something is going on. And Frank is like, I can feel your fear. And he grabs her hand. And then the phone rings. And she gets up and he goes, saved by the bell. Gross. Mm-hmm. Gross. Yeah, and JJ's like, hey, it's Jennifer Jarreau, whatever. And she just says, he's not Agent Gideon, is he? And immediately, she's on speakerphone. Okay, here's a question. Everyone's supposed to be calling different people. And they're all like on their cell phones. And JJ's like, I'm going to call on speakerphone in the center of the room. She used all of her phone battery sending pictures to Garcia earlier. So, so her phone funny. is charging in her office. Right now she has to use the speakerphone. So funny. So basically, though, when she says he's not a ticket, is he? Everyone turns around. And Hatch is like, can you leave? Just calmly walk to the door. And she's like, what's going on? And then Frank grabs her and puts the K in her and he picks up the phone and he says, Rebecca's name should be moved to a new list. And they're all like, we don't have Jane. We don't have her. And he's just like, <laughs> give me Jane. Goodbye. This is and why then- you don't have live people in a book called the murder book. Like, why do you call? We never got to the. Why do they call it a murder book anyway? I'm still <laughs> pissed about that. I bet it's some, like, funny inside joke. His murder book. Pisses me the fuck off. Yeah. You know what? I? You know what? I bet that's what the writer room calls, like, their ideas. They have, like, like, a murder book. book. And so they called Gideon's, like, notebook that. Like, I'm going to guess that's what it is. Okay. Oh, and then the camera starts like spinning around the speakerphone, showing us all the pictures. And then it goes black and white and like focuses in on Rebecca's photo. And it's like, oh God. Okay. Yeah. So then we're at Rebecca's apartment. Everyone's going in. She's already dead, clutching a note. It's very sad. Everyone's like, oh man. Hutch opens the curtains, but not the sheer pink curtains. And no one turns a light on. Like, he's he opens the, like, 
blackout curtains, leave some curtains closed, no light. So she's cast in this like pink Shadow. glow. Yeah. yeah. And the note says 8 a.m. Union Station. And they're talking about how he's going to raise the stakes now because everyone else on the list is safe. So like, who's he going to take? What's it going to be? JJ calls. She found Jane. She's like, a woman got arrested for ranting and raving about needing to talk to the BAU and she assaulted a police officer. <laughs> and JJ's literally like the hardest eye roll. <laughs> and they're like, well, then who did Frank take? He has no one who's sacred to him. So he took someone that's sacred to other people. And Emily immediately goes, children. And it's like, oh, Emily, you want a baby so bad. It's embarrassing. Emily's going to call JJ to pick up Jane. Also, JJ's going to look for cases with children who have moved to D.C. recently since their case happened. Back at the Smithsonian, Garcia's looking at the human evolution infographic, and Garcia's like, he was in love with Jane. And Gideon's like, absolutely not. He was obsessed with her. We need to find a break in his pattern, something he's not even aware of. So now they're going to, like, look at his pattern. Great. Okay. <laughs> Can I tell you... Mm -hmm. anytime I no longer want to be somewhere that is not my house in my brain I'm like I'd like to leave now uh I don't want to be here I'd like to go home now every single time that is in my head and it's from this scene I'll be like at a party at the grocery store and in my head it's just like I'd like to leave now. <laughs> I don't want to be here. <laughs> and then this other woman is like, shut the fuck up or I will this beat the shit out of you. This other woman is about to kick her ass. Literally. Fuck, yeah. it's funny. It's hilarious. Like, she's like banging on the chain door like, let me out, let me out. The other woman's going, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Everyone else in the in the thing? Silent. They're, they're like, they they're like, this. this is like so loud. <laughs> Listen, we're all in the drunk tank. Just if you could calm down. like You could shut the fuck up. That'd be great. But I'm not about to yell at you because then that would just make more noise and I'm already hung over. So yeah, exactly. So then Emily shows up and opens it. And the woman says, thank you. Get this like noisy bitch out of here. And Emily goes back off. <laughs> and I was just like, Tiddler queen. Other <laughs> okay. Question. Did this other woman give off, like, angry lesbian vibes to you, too? Because I, like, saw her and, like, the oh. way she acted, and I was like, hmm, homosexual. Absolutely. And then Emily came in and, like, looked her in the eyes, and it was like, okay, gay power play, gay power play, okay. Emily literally goes back off and is like, hey, Jane, do you remember me from Nevada? Or she's like, I'm a Agent Prentice with the FBI. And the other woman goes, really? And Emily looks at her and like checks her out really quick and then goes back to Jane. And it was very clearly Emily walked in and went, I'm the power alpha lesbian bitch. Get away from me. I am the lesbian alpha. I'm, Get away I'm from the me. top here. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Emily walked in and was like, back off. <laughs> you can't angry. You can't out angry lesbian me. You don't know me. I made the blueprint. Like. I am the original angry lesbian. Get away from me. So funny. She's like, do you remember me from Nevada? And Jane's like, I asked for Gideon. And Emily's like, yeah. 
I'll bring you to him. And Jane's like, okay. And then Jane goes to leave and turns around and goes, I told you! Super loud. So funny. So funny. And then they get to the hallway and Jane is immediately like, Frank can't love. I He said he loved me, but he doesn't. And now he's going to come here and find me. And Reed's like, he's uh, already here. I was like, why is Reed here? Reed called her a psycho with a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> no. do you remember how weird reed was in that episode he was he just hated that girl for no fucking reason he like and literally hated her like he's like oh she reminds me of my mother and literally for what and like literally why are you so mean like, to her aunt? okay over your daddy issues or mommy issues yeah jj she's looking through the files oh this is where she's in her tank top whatever i wrote fine as hell arms not to sexualize this woman who's 12 years older than me, but holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Those are my notes. <laughs> and, and she looks in the photos and she finds Tracy Bell, who moved to McLean, Virginia, eight months ago. Okay. It's with no traffic, 45 minutes from D.C. to McLean, Virginia. How the fuck did Frank get her? And take her. Also, like, where are did they he... in New York? I literally was like, his mom's apartment, and they say where it is, but I. It's like Upper forgot. East Side or Lower East Side, New York. I like the travel time on this is all. No goddamn sense. I wrote, like, this is going to be one of those, we'll ignore the travel time for now. I want to see. They put, like, a, you know, a thing in the bottom of, like, where they were when they go i'll see yeah i was like this makes up like absolutely no sense actually manhattan manhattan jj and reed go all the way to manhattan in what world does he go to mclean virginia an hour from dc takes how the fuck does he get Tracy Bell to Manhattan? Just forget time. How, how, he can't get on a plane with her. He can't drive her. The parents come home and they're like, where's my kid? So clearly she can't have been gone that long. It's a five hour drive. Did he put her on a train? He had to have driven. I mean, that's a 10-hour round trip, no traffic. I mean, TV, you just sort of wait, hand wave these things away, but also, yeah, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. I've never, I didn't realize, I never, never looked at that card, I guess, that they're in Manhattan. How? Why would they not just do this whole episode in New York? I know they needed to be in D.C. for the start of it, right? Where, like, Gideon's girlfriend Game. partner whatever gets killed whatever but then i think you could probably pretty safely move the whole episode to new york and have a bigger victim pool or something i don't know i i think they could have gotten away with it's the end of a case in new york they're spending an extra night so gideon is gonna take the opportunity to see this woman who lives in new york going out to dinner he gets to her apartment she's already dead 
everything the same, but it's in New York. Yeah. He would already have his book on him. Well, I mean, how would Frank get the murder book or the letter or? Yeah, well, I well I think that like maybe you know Gideon has his murder book on him at all times. Why is it called the murder book again? We go back to this, or just make him from DC. The other option is just why does he have to be from Manhattan? But they. They wrote themselves into a corner on that one in No Way Out Part 1 because, remember, he told the story of the woman who died in Manhattan with a million people around her and nobody noticed. Etc, etc. Do you not think these were ri- this was written to be two parts? I don't think so, actually. Really? You think they, they decided later to bring back? I think they back? probably... Probably left it open-ended and then... And then, yeah, I think they probably left it open-ended and they couldn't decide what they wanted to make the season finale. So they were like, no, fine, let's fucking, let's bring Frank back or something. Or, even more likely, is by the time they had gotten to ironing out the details of Frank in the season finale, they already had and produced Frank No Way Out Part 1. So that was already written by the time that they were or that was already like filmed or something by the time they were starting to write this episode and like figure out the plot of how it like mechanically how it worked. Sure. So I bet they just couldn't change anything there because it had already been filmed and they didn't want to reshoot. That's fair. That's usually how TV works is like they're always sort of like writing episodes and they know in general where it's going to go, but they sort of like, especially for like these like procedurals, they usually like have to, um, they're sort of like writing some while some are being edited while some are still being like sketched out. So yeah. that kind of makes sense is that they were just at a bad point in the, you know, timeline. Process. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. It's just like everything in the episode, you know, works except for the fact that somehow Tracy Bell got to fucking Manhattan. And they got to Union Station. Like, if I... Yeah. Is there a Union Station in New York? Yes. Oh. Like, the Union Station is in New York, dude. Grand Central Station is in New York. Yeah, but I think that... There's a Union Station in D.C. There is also a Union Station in New York. There is. It's called, like, Union Square Station or whatever, but it's still, like, Union Station. But yeah, you're right. Grand Central is the one that I was thinking of. But yeah, it's still... There is still Uh, a union in New York. I think they were talking about Union Station in D.C. In the show. It looks fucking nothing like the D.C. Union Station. Oh, we'll talk about the awful fucking... The train that makes no goddamn sense later. But like, let's continue. Okay. Let's stop getting bogged down in timeline because Criminal Minds doesn't give a fuck. So why do we give a fuck? Okay, fine. Fair. Okay. The SWAT team goes to Tracy Bell's house. Uh, she's missing. The parents come running like, where's my kid? And Hotch is like, she's alive. And they start crying. And I was like, that's rough. Like, they moved from... Where even were they? Texas. They moved from Texas to D.C. And she gets... Kidnapped crimed, again? Crimed again. Yeah. <laughs> 
We're in the interrogation room. Jane is smoking. Emily is there looking hot as shit. She looks so good this whole scene. Jane is like, did I do the right thing by coming here? And Emily says, yes. JJ comes in with a paper bag of Jane's stuff. And Jane takes it and like holds it tight. Oh, I had a little snafu. In the mirror behind JJ, you can see the door opening before the scene <laughs> cuts. Even though like no one's supposed to be coming in yet. I thought that was funny. <laughs> okay, one thing I want to talk about here. Jane doesn't know JJ. JJ didn't go to Golconda. Right? So every time... Every time JJ asks a question, it is like Jane can't see her. Mm-hmm. And she ends up like giving up. And at first I was like, I guess she's too focused on Emily. But now I'm like, she doesn't know JJ. Yeah. Like this woman is a, she just is straight up like, I've never met. I don't know who, I don't see you. I don't know who you are. And I think that's really interesting Interesting. yeah she doesn't fit into jane's delusion the way that everybody else does basically yeah because everybody else she met before she was with frank when she was still somewhat kind of clear-headed i guess but jj appears now when jane is like hyper focused and she's going for only the people that she knows and she doesn't know jj so it's like jj doesn't exist i thought that was so interesting the way they did that and i love it okay Derek and Hodge come back and they're like, Derek is like, tell me you've got good news. And Reed is like, we have Jane. So that's good. But, you know, Jane comes in. Or, you know, Hodge comes in and Jane is like, has Frank heard anybody yet? I hope he hasn't heard anybody. And JJ's like, being like, okay, we need to like ask you questions. And Jane's just totally ignoring her, only talking to Emily. And Jane says, Frank changed just like Gideon said he would. And Frank was so mad that Gideon knows him so well. And JJ's just like taking seriously. Yeah. And Hotch is like, I think Frank wants Gideon to stop him. You know, and we can, but we'll need your help, Jane. And she's like, me? Okay. Gideon, this is a fun scene. Gideon talks about the three factors that determined behavior bio psycho and social there's biology which is genetics your disposition there's psycho which he's a a psychology he's a psychopath and that filters through like that's the filter through which he sees the world and then social Mm -hmm. which is his life experience and together it makes him like a weapon the genetic load genetics loads the gun psychology aims it and society pulls the trigger which is interesting i really like that metaphor i really like that metaphor actually do they use i feel like they use that later too right or they use something similar later yeah i can't remember but they say you know we need to look at his victims that's what's gonna be a pattern and that's what's gonna tell us about him so it's like mostly women you know, the ages change. Mostly they're higher than the 20s. And he's like, that's opposite. Like, they should stay the same age. You know, the killer should have a preferential age. And Garcia's like, oh, maybe it's because he isn't attracted to them. And she's like, no, that's stupid. You said he doesn't feel attraction. 
And then Gideon's like, no, no, like, let's let's go that way. It doesn't have to be, like, sexual attraction. Who didn't he kill? Jane. And how old was she? 22. And so they realize that as Jane gets older, Frank's victims get older. Oh, and instead of vice versa, Gideon says vice versa. People always do that. And I always think it's just vice versa. Vice versa. It's not vice versa. But I feel like I hear people go vice versa all the time. And I'm always like, what the fuck is going on here? (laughs) Okay, I'm glad you're on my side. And then they say he sees Jane as his mother. Great. Gross. Okay. Great. Then Jane is like pulling out her shoes and like smoking her cigarette. And she's like, Frank's from Manhattan. He told me everything about him. And JJ goes, where in Manhattan? And Jane is just like, his mom's name is Mary Brightcough. He never knew his father. And she talks about how like every Sunday they go to the fair on Long Island and they'd have dinner parties and Frank would be the barman and serve cocktails. And JJ keeps trying to ask questions and eventually like gives up. And Jane says, you know, it's very romantic being on the run. And Jane, okay, here's the gay shit. Jane says, is it wrong to love Frank? And Emily just shakes her head and says, you don't choose who you fall in love with. And then JJ, like, is, like, looking down, playing with her necklace, like, wow, you don't do you. (laughs) Wow, Emily, you're so smart and so pretty. (laughs) Oh, my God, it's so true, actually, Emily. Wow, my God, can you tell me more? (laughs) Oh, my God, Emily, you tell me more about, like, your theories of, like, love or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) stupid yeah yeah Yeah. and Hatch says you know he wanted you to change him and Jade's like he did change for like a little bit but the desire to kill overwhelmed him and we find out that he tried to kill Jane but he stopped they were fighting and Jane said Gideon was right about you and then Frank tried to kill her and he got so angry it was awful and then she went to dc and jane's like but it's okay he won't hurt anybody if he has me and jj says he doesn't have you we do so okay (laughs) they flash back to the diner and the woman's like putting in her you know Toad bumps on a log and blah blah blah, right? Strawberry milkshake, and they even played the part where she's like, "Hello, handsome, where have you been my whole life?" And then Gideon just walks past her. her. I was like, my favorite part of the episode. (laughs) It's so funny. I'm not even gonna lie to you. It's fucking funny. They played it twice during part one, and they had to bring it back for part two. They were like, "We have to." This is such a funny line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Gideon says that Frank is obsessed with facts. He starts quoting him, like quoting the statistics that Frank said. And I was like, Gideon, do you have like a fucking mind palace? You're telling me you can quote a statistic 
from a guy you met once five months ago and you don't know what a button mum is? <laughs> I mean, it tracks if we go if we go down the criminal minds logic path of like Gideon's been obsessing over Frank for the last five months. Then you're like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. But like, but like, you know, this just out of nowhere. Anyway, anyway, I was just like, okay. He mentions the story Frank told about how he found a body. Oh, there was a body in the opposite side that died. They, they, she was left there, and no one came to find her. And Gideon was like, oh, that was his mother. And then it was the fact that Frankie was named after a spear. And so he's like, she was a German mother who moved to the States in the late 50s. And, okay. Okay, wait. I also want to mention is that um, Jane also said that Frank's mother was German. He says She says that he used his mother's name, something German, Breitkopf. Right. So I want to mention that, and then Frank also mentioned that he, his name, Frank, Frank is a German name, Yeah. right? And it had some old meaning that he quoted. So, like, I want to mention Gideon isn't going entirely off the rails here. Yes. He's only going partially off the rails. And I was going to say Continue. that. I was going to say, I know her last name is Breitkopf, and that's a German last name. But the way the show edits it, Garcia says... Her last name was Breitkopf. And then Gideon says she died on the Upper East Side and no one came to check on her. And then his name is Germanic and it means spear. Warrior, like spear or something, yeah. Yeah. So his mom's German. And I get it. Her name's Breitkopf. But the way they edited it made it seem like he made the connection. Because Frank is a German name. And while I do understand the importance of name origins, his name is also Frank. Really common, yeah. I knew a lot of Franks growing up, but it was short for Francesco. So. Yeah. (laughs) My name... My actual name is, like, my real human being name is Bailey, which is a very obviously Irish name. Mm. I'm not Irish in the goddamn slightest. My parents went through a name of, like, baby book, like, a book of baby names, and they were like, oh, that's cute. Anyway, like. Yeah, my (laughs) dead name was, I'm pretty sure, just, like, picked. Well, actually. At random. Yeah, it was partially picked at random. Partially, it was short for my grandmother's middle name, which was, I guess, Scottish. And now James is a British name. Yeah. So I like, think my mom said they just went through the alphabet and picked a baby name for every letter of the alphabet, and they didn't get past B because they were like, "That's it, we got it." And I'm like, you could have gone a little bit more down the line, but I'll take it. (laughs) And now you define yourself by the letter B. And now I just am B. So, you know, it works. Oh, no. I just realized our initials are BJ. (laughs) As soon as you said, oh, no, I was like, you're going to make a BJ joke, aren't you? (laughs) It wasn't a joke. I just. You just realized it. Realized it. 
BJ. Or we could be JB, Justin Bieber. We don't have to be. We don't have to be anything, Bestie. We can be B and James. I guess so. We're James and B. We're Jimothy and B. Bimothy. Jimothy and Bimothy. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> okay. Garcia found three May breakfasts in Manhattan. Originally, Frank said she was a lawyer, but none of them are lawyers. Uh, he says one's a doctor and one's something else. But there was one Mary Brightcroft who was arrested for six, 63 times for sex work. Which, like... 63 is a lot. Like, that's a lot. Not to, like, shame, but, like, be more subtle. And also, I mean, I was also thinking, after a certain number of times, don't they just put you in jail? And this would have been, like, in the 60s and 70s. 63 times. Like, now we have sort of, like, the three-strike rule. But that wasn't around back then. But, like, I still feel like 63 strikes is enough strikes. But she was also... just put you in jail. She was also a sex worker in New York in the 70s. Yeah. So I feel... I, I bet it's... You know what? It doesn't say, like, charged or jailed. It's just, like arrested i bet they like did the thing where they arrested her put her in the cell for the night with everyone and then like let her out let her morning. out the next morning yeah yeah no i suppose yeah if she never always like charged with anything yeah she might have exactly. gotten like fined yeah you know yeah no death certificate so she's still alive um spoiler <laughs> No, she's not. She's not still alive. Very much not still alive. Super I... dead, though. Okay, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. So no woman died in the apartment. The story is all fake. Frank has been hiding her existence from everyone. Hotch calls Garcia and is like, let me talk to Gideon. Tracy Bell is on the phone. And she's like, hey, <laughs> remember how you saved me last time? <laughs> uh, like, hey, remember I'm played by Elle Fanning? <laughs> Remember how I'm L fanning? If you could like, save me, that'd be great. Please? The Academy needs me. <laughs> the Academy Awards need me so bad. Hi. L fanning here. Hi. Future Academy Award winner here. <laughs> so funny. Okay. Uh, and she's like, if you could save me, that'd be great. And he's like, don't worry about it, babe. And then... Frank takes the phone and he's like, I'll find you and I'll fucking kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately. Like, talk about a code switch for sure. He's like, I'll find you and I'll stop you. And I was like, he's definitely like channeling fucking like Liam Neeson and Taken. (laughs) Very much Liam Neeson Taken energy. Very much so. The second one came out, I think, when I was in 10th grade. So it's entirely... Taken came out... The original Taken came out in 2008. I had the same thought you did, and I was like, wow. Taken took it from Criminal Minds. Whoa! (laughs) What? Yeah. (laughs) Great. Frank is like, oh yeah, by the way, I chose Union Station because you love trains. And Gideon's like, fuck you. They hang up. Penelope's like, I can't chase the car, blah, 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 blah. Gideon writes something down on a note and says, call Hotch and read this to him. He'll know what to do. And then he takes his gun and he leaves. And Garcia's like calling and we don't know what the note says. What? 
What does just, that note say? What does he do? Because he just kind of shows up. And he shows up after everybody else. Right. So it's so, like, like... You would think if he had the head start... What was he doing? What's going on here? Yeah. What's going on? Gideon runs away. We never learn what's in that note. In, it's now 8 a.m. in Union Station. I need to take a moment because this pissed me the fuck off. Union Station in D.C. is an iconic landmark. Mm-hmm. And they enter a station that is like, what? Absolutely looks nothing like Union Station. Union oh, Station yeah. is white. It's bright. It's open. And they come in. There's like, like seats with people sitting which isn't really how it is in Union Station. I've grabbed a couple of photos where yeah. it looks like it is, but it's not really anymore. And especially during 8 a.m., that's prime commute time. Like It would be, yeah. Now they have like a central terminal thing. And then they're like running through like underground tunnel areas, which is like not Union Station has like levels to it as a food court at the bottom of it. When you go to like the Amtrak area, it's, inside waiting not outside he's like sitting on a bench outside waiting for the train and it's like that's not how it works you that's line up at station works no you line up outside in front of the gate or inside in front of the gate and then when it's your turn they open the doors and you just walk straight to your train that's already there there is no sitting on a bench outside it's not one of those train stations. Also, so, yeah, DC's cold as fuck. It's on the right. coast. So like, nobody wants to be outside longer than they have to for most of the year there. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. It's, it infuriated me. I was like, what is this dark? I was like, are you in a bank? Like, what is going on the way it looks? It does it does look very strange compared to how actual Union Station in DC looks. If that's what they're trying to say this is It's not. Absolute fucking disgrace. The no. Union Station in DC looks very pretty. Oh, it's gorgeous. I love it. It's spacious. It's beautiful. It has a sweet green in it. I love the Starbucks in there. Like but it looks it nothing. It looks very cute. Very much like I love the architecture, the big open hall. Ooh. Oh yeah, this it's got a big so fear not. Let me try to paint you a word picture. <laughs> when you walk in, it's like a huge, white, bright space. There's a bunch of archways that lead to various like restaurants. And it's a high ceiling. It's got those like statues that look down on you. And then when you go into like the train area, it basically has... It, so it only connects to the red line as well as metros go. And then it's an Amtrak station basically, and a marked train station. So you go in through the big arch, and then there's three floors that have... The bottom floor is food court, and it leads to the red line, which is like the regular DC local metro. And then the other two are like shopping, or you can go to the Amtrak, which is the cross-country one. And it looks nothing like what they're showing. It's all indoors, I have no idea. He gets hit, I'm pretty sure, by a mark train. And, and a train like, that wouldn't be going that fast anyway, which 
is something we'll get to entirely separately. Oh, yeah. Like- it's going so fast. And he's like on the bench. So theoretically, it would stop in front of him. Yeah. Why, Why is, is going the train so going fast? that fast into the station? Absolutely not. They should have just picked like an outdoor metro stop and not tried to do this fancy like the international train and the Union Station, whatever. Union Station isn't even the big station. It should have been fucking metro station, whatever. I wonder if they did Union Station so that they could have the ambiguity of it being in D.C. or in New York. Sure. Maybe. Because, again, this episode happens in four different places and none of them make sense. So, you know. Quantico, McLean, D.C. DC, New York. New York. The whole SWAT team is at either New York or D.C.'s (laughs) Union Station. No one can see Frank, even though he's sitting in the middle of the... Whatever. How did he get in the building? Whatever. Emily comes in and is like, hey, did Gideon say where he was going? And Hotch is like, he'll be here. And Emily says, as an agent or an executioner? And then they're like, Frank's here. And Hotch goes, I guess we'll see. And I... This is a very fun... I think, like... Emily pressing her thumb in the wound of L. Honestly, I kind of dig it. Yeah, I like that. You're right. It is a callback to L, like killing your own unsub. But I also think that like Emily's been the one bearing the brunt of everyone's frustrations this season. I mean, Hotch at the beginning was really rude to her. Gideon has never really kind of vibed with her. When Reed had his trouble, he was coming after her. No one was protecting her, even though Derek and JJ weren't, you know, friends with Emily. They didn't, you know, stand up for her when Reed was being screwed. And now Mm -hmm. Gideon is being a loose cannon and Emily's, you know, lying to the cops. She's the one who, like, several times has been like, it's time to tell the cops. And so when Gideon leaves this mysterious note, grabs his gun and runs off, and we know he's in this you know, vulnerable state with this woman who just died. Emily is like, what is going on? You know, Emily is the one who's like, is this team rough? Are you guys loose cannons? (laughs) I know I'm not. So what is, what is the deal is basically Emily. And I think it's interesting that she's finally, confident enough to say it and to Hotch to be like is Gideon gonna show up and shoot someone and to say that to Hotch's face it's really good it also I think lends an interesting sort of lens to look at her later interaction with Strauss I was and just that, that whole thing next season yeah like that makes everything a little bit more interesting because maybe Emily thinks these people shouldn't be FBI agents and she's kind of right She's kind of right. She's kind of right. And like, would it be good for her if everybody else at the BAU left? No, but also, yes. Like, these people are not great, gang. These people are... Strauss says, we thought you were too... Everyone thought you were too reckless, but I knew you weren't. Maybe your team is reckless. And that's how, you know that conversation goes and I think it's interesting here that Emily on her own before that conversation has even happened is recognizing her team's recklessness 
Okay. Yeah. 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 JJ and Reed go to Frank's mom's apartment, and as they're walking up to the door, JJ says, no matter what happens this time, we don't separate. And he's like, agreed. I love them. I do love them. I think it's funny, but I feel like Reed should be the one saying that. But also, he's the one who left her, so she's like, hey, by the way, dickass, you don't get to leave. You don't get to leave this time. Fuck you. (laughs) She's like, I know you're the one who technically is cleared for field work or whatever, but like, you're sticking with me. Yeah. So Hotch and Frank meet up, and Hotch is like, where's Tracy Bell? And Frank is like, you're never going to see her again. Okay, Hotch also, in Derek's defense, Hotch also has tiny sunglasses. And I don't know if I just (laughs) have been blind to them, or they're especially evident right now. But he's also got tiny sunglasses. Maybe the whole, maybe Derek got a pair and everybody else at the BAU was like, oh, those are kind of cute. Where did you get those? Because literally and everyone now else. All have, <laughs> now they all for, have tiny sunglasses. Except for Emily, who said, actually, I am going to still wear my giant sunglasses. It's like, y'all are not going to catch me dead in sunglasses that don't cover all my eyes. Exactly. Or my whole eyes. Not all my eyes. What? <laughs> All five of my eyeballs. They all need to be covered. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's good. That's good. Okay. Hatch is like, fine, bring Jane out. So, okay. If they already know where Tracy Bell is, why do they still bring Jane out? I don't think they know that Tracy Bell is in that apartment. I don't think they know that for certain. I guess so. I just wonder because like when or, JJ hmm. or they I guess they have to do maybe maybe this is them accounting for travel time and they're like they need a few hours to get to New York to verify Tracy Bell's location. I maybe? guess so. I guess. I don't know. They've got a fast plane, though, remember? (laughs) They've got a fast plane, but they have to land it in New York, so... Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, so superintendent, I assume, opens the apartment door, and JJ puts her gun up and goes, wait here. And the guy's just like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. He's so funny. Because, like, honestly, me too. When, When approached by JJ like that, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> any yeah. order. Any order you want, JJ? Yeah. Sure so thing, true. Yes, ma'am. Uh, also, Ponytail JJ, we love her. Great. Frank is, like, very happy oh, to gosh, see... She's so, hot. she's so hot. And I'm in love with her. Frank is happy to see Jane. And Jane is like, Frank, you killed people. <laughs> and Frank's like... <laughs> <laughs> you kill people how could you do that do you you might be too young do you remember the llamas with hats yes that is exactly what i thought of when you said that line carl that kills people <laughs> what stabbing them 16 times and cutting off their hands and then eating their eyeballs kills them carl yes <laughs> exactly what i thought of when you said that line i was like that kills people Carol, that kills people god 
but... Okay. <laughs> Shit, that stays with you forever. <laughs> Fortunately. Okay. And Emily is like, yeah, whatever. Congrats, Jane. Where's Tracy? Jane's like, I'm not going with you, Frank. I can't. And Frank's like, I'm not going to let these people take me alive. Gideon shows up with a gun. Where have you been? Where have you been? What did he? Where'd you come where from? Where have Are you, you been? Are you waiting in the corner to make your dramatic, like, Phantom of the Opera-ass entrance? Like, what is going on here? Where have you been? Where, what'd you do? How'd you get here? What What's going you... on? Like, hello? Okay. Hello? Gideon, like, it doesn't get explained. I don't think we ever learn. Like, no, we, we don't. We're, 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 whatever. He shows up, he starts talking about Sarah. She was a doctor with three kids. She helped cancer patients and you just murdered her. Frank gives some long-winded bird metaphor. Like a way too long-winded bird metaphor. Yeah. I know Keith Carradine is a good actor. <laughs> this is pushing it, my guy. That's not him. This is pushing it. The writers pushed it here. They really, truly did. I think yeah. I don't like the writing in this episode. I don't either. I'm going to say it. Especially because Gideon's next line is, Your mother was a whore. <laughs> the way um, you said that, you're like, your mother is a whore. The way you like squished it. that like last bit in together is really funny to me. I'm sorry. No, I just I don't want to say it. It's rude. Frank's face drops. Everyone knows all about his mom. They're talking about his mom. Great. Hotch is like your mom had to resort to sex work to take care of you, and every time it happened, Frank saw the act implying that like he washed his mother with these other men and then Gideon is like you're not a rare bird Frank <laughs> okay <laughs> and then he's like Jane Frank what she's like imagine being offended by this statement you're not a rare bird <laughs> you know, mommy always told me I was a very special rare bird it's you're not just... a rare bird you're not a rare bird. It sounds very like I saw a TikTok the other day that was sent to me that was like introduction to a 2013 YA dystopia. And mm -hmm. for some reason, it just like it made me think of that. It was like, was this it is the exactly the kind of slang that they probably used in like a 20. Yes, that <laughs> one. And I was like, you know what? This sounds like it could be accompanied by one of those girls throwing a pillow at you. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. You're not a rare bird. The, like, it's the just. Fact Gideon's insults to him are your mother was a whore and you're <laughs> not a rare bird, Frank. Like, brutal. <laughs> Damn, Jesus I'm sure Christ. the folks at the nursing home are like hyping that shit up. Like... <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, hey, Jane, Franks thinks you're his mom. <laughs> I'm sure the folks at the nursing home are just losing their minds, my guy. So funny. So then, but clearly Frank is like talking Jane into going back with him. And Emily is like so tense. You can see her in the background. She's like got her hands and fists and she's like, do I grab Jane? Like, what am I supposed to do here? And 
Frank is like, come here. And Jane goes and they say, I love you. I love you too. And then they jump in front of the Amtrak that's going so fast. <laughs> there are more problems at this train station than Frank today. Literally. If that thing is just tearing through there at fucking full speed, like what? It should be going so slow. It should be so slow. There should Truly. be people already standing in the aisles. Like, like why no. is this train going so fast? No, absolutely not. Question. Yeah. You probably know what's going to happen. You know, when you walk up to the, to the, uh, to Frank and see him standing, sitting there alone. Why do you let go yeah. of Jane? Like, why? I have no she idea. didn't have to die. No. She needed help for real, but, like, she didn't have to die. No. Like, and why would you let go of her? I don't know. It's you know, so em- weird. And Emily, like, has a hold of her, and then slowly she moves forward. I think Emily was waiting for Hodge or Gideon to say something, and they all just let Jane walk past her. Right at the last second, they're like, oh, God, Jane, no. But that's it. Why do you ever let go of her in this case? No fucking clue. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. It's also like, it feels very cruel. Like, I know she's at the center of this whole thing, but like, she clearly has a mental illness with which she cannot deal. She needs to be in a assisted care facility she needs help and instead they're taking her to the train station with the one person who knows how to manipulate her perfectly it feels reckless and it feels it's bad it's cruel it's cruel completely using her as a pawn why are you parading her around yeah and i know it's to get jc bell back but it feels you do that anyway. Yeah, it feels extra pointless because and we'll talk about it in just a second, they get Tracy Bell back without any issues. So it's like, like completely pointless that she dies like that. It's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. And it feels like this episode with Frank's weird comments earlier about like victims and stuff and the way that Rebecca was like, "Oh, I don't see myself as a victim, but still ended up dying anyway." This episode feels worse for survivors and victims than any other Criminal Minds episode thus far, honestly. It's like it's, this feels like a total tonal shift. It's frustrating because, you know, we hear that the other eight victim or the other eight survivors on the list are fine, you know, and we see that Tracy Bell is fine. But the people that we've connected to emotionally, uh, Rebecca, Jane, die. And Rebecca dies for no reason. And it's worse because we see that she has survived her ordeal, has made this nice home for herself, is comfortable talking, doesn't see herself as a victim, clearly getting therapy. And then she's murdered at the hands of somebody else just like unrelated it's awful 
it's awful. And does, don't you agree that it's just like, it feels so weird. Like, there's such a weird, like. Yeah, I do. I do agree with you. It It's, it's. It's not great. <laughs> it's not good. It feels like a total change in their whole. And like, we've talked about this before, and we're going to keep beating this horse till it's dead in the ground. But like, yeah. we've talked about this before. They're usually pretty good to the victims right and like just last episode they let the woman look in the eyes of the guy who tried to kill her and she laughed because she won before and the one before like it's just it feels like such a total shift and i get it we can't always have nice good happy endings that's fine i understand that plenty of these episodes end poorly right right this one feels like cruel for the sake of being cruel. And it like, also, I get that Frank's a serial killer, but this episode in particular, like this feels pointed. It's also like they, it feels like they expect Tracy Bell's survival and Frank's death to outweigh what Rebecca and Jane went through. And sure, it's nice to be like, okay, well, Frank's done hurting people, and yay, Tracy Bell survived, but that doesn't negate that Rebecca, yeah, Rebecca rebuilt her whole life out of the trauma and was happy and then was killed for absolutely no reason. And Jane was traumatized by this man since she was 22 years old was traumatized by this man, tormented year after year after year, and then he finally got her, and she escaped clear-headed enough to go to the BAU, and then to be talked into killing herself with him. It's just... I... Like... I... This feels like such a wild 180, and I don't like it. I don't like it either. And it feels like it's hard to, you know, because Rebecca's whole thing is, I don't feel like a victim. Mm -hmm. And then Jane is so clearly a victim. Yeah. You know, but even then she has, you know, strength of mind to leave him when he tries to hurt her. She thought he was going to change, and when he didn't and he got worse, she left and went for help. And in that way, the BAU failed her. You know, I think she knew enough to know that she couldn't leave him on her own and that he would hurt people. And she trusted the BAU. She was like, I came to DC. He's going to follow me. So if you have me, you'll have him. And they failed her. You know, they failed her 10 episodes ago, five months ago, and they failed her now. And it's not the happy ending we would like it to be. It's not. And it feels so like it, like I said, it just feels like such a flagrant, like disrespect to the way that criminal minds has up until now been treating the victims right like it feels so feels like somebody in the writer's room had an axe to grind with this one you know what i mean like it just feels Mm -hmm. bad and i don't know why 
it does not make story sense. No. Like, mechanically, it doesn't make sense for this episode to be as needlessly cruel as it is. Like, Frank already sucks. He already killed Gideon's girlfriend. Okay. You don't need to have... Like, even... Like, you don't need to have Rebecca have that moment of clarity of he's not Agent Gideon, is he, before she's murdered. Right. You don't need to have them have that conversation on her comfy-looking couch before she's murdered. Right. You don't need to have Emily holding on to Jane and then let her go. Like, these things do not need to happen, and they wouldn't, like change things all that much like i get it this is a show about serial killers and frank is the worst of the worst etc etc even i don't know it's just it feels so needlessly cruel to me it feels like frank won yes exactly he got he got to hurt gideon by killing his girlfriend he got to see Rebecca realize he wasn't Gideon he got to kidnap the child knowing that was gonna hurt Gideon too he got to have Jane and die by her side and because he died he didn't have to change yeah, this episode feels like Frank won. Frank won. He got everything he wanted. He hurt Gideon. He outsmarted the team. He got Jane. And he doesn't have to do anything more because now he's dead. He gets everything he wanted. And it even sucks even more because, you know, Gideon leaves, or we know Gideon leaves next episode. Gideon, this is what makes Gideon quit. This moment breaks Gideon. Yeah. This is the breaking point. And I can see why. Bleak fucking day for the BAU. Yeah, it's not great. What's frustrating to me is, and I think is the point of Emily's question when she says, is he going to show up as an agent or as an executioner? And I think if he had shown up as an agent, he would not have let Jane go. Jane go by him. Yeah, but because he showed up with the intent of, you know, making Frank pay, like forcing Frank to realize he didn't outsmart him. He didn't actually believe that Frank would grab Jane and go because Gideon thought he won. And it's like, that's not, he was thinking like an executioner, not like an agent. I think Prentice is completely correct. Let's, yeah. okay, let's keep going. Continue. We're almost done. Almost done. Gideon and Garcia are sitting together in chairs at the station, which I thought was cute. She came with him, showed up. And like She drove him in his, her little Thunderbird. Yeah, which makes me think they're in D.C. because Garcia's there, and she was at the fucking Smithsonian. Yeah, true. I don't know. Dude, I, I don't, don't I don't know. Anyway, Hotch hands over the phone to Gideon, and it's Tracy Bell, and she's calling to say thank you, and Elle Fanning is adorable. And JJ's like, okay, JJ's out of frame, but she's standing beside Tracy Bell. And as Tracy Bell is talking, she like reaches out and like tucks her hair behind her ear, like all, and like gives her like a hug and like walks away with her. Oh my god, you know what we haven't talked about? Wait, we didn't talk about JJ and Hot and Reed's side of it. Yeah. They find Tracy Bell in the closet, whatever. Okay. Hey, Frank's- we got another mom skeleton. 
Hey, Frank's mom, huh? You, do you remember in Machismo? Yes. When we talked about the mom skeleton, that's just never the they mommy skeleton who's just never talked about. I got another one. Got another I'm mom skeleton. So confused by this mother skeleton. One. This mommy skeleton, dude. I had. I had no memory of the skeleton. Oh, for real? Like, actually, in my head, they walk in, it's clear, they find her in the closet. To, when when JJ turned around and was like, oh gosh, I was like, what? And then it was, she, I mean, she was compressed dust, right? This woman, yes, this woman is going to fall apart if you breathe on her, for sure. So she's it's dead. like she's super dead. Super dead. So the story he told of a woman dying in her apartment and no one caring for her is true. It's true. But there's remember there's no death certificate. He has not reported her dead. So it, he's paying rent on this apartment. He's paying rent on this apartment. Yeah. With what? Money! And also, how do you keep the fucking maggots and rats and shit out of there? I mean, she looked kind of mummified. Okay, but did he mummify her when he was like 10 years old and she died? Ooh, uh... Because if... Again, okay. If she came over to... If she came over to the U.S. as, we'll say, like a child in the 50s and had mm -hmm. Frank and he was born sometime in the 60s or 70s mm -hmm. and she died. When did she die? Did he mummify her? Has this apartment building not changed at all since the <laughs> 60s or He's 70s? also... Never there. He's never there. What happens if a pipe bursts or something? And they need to get into that apartment. Are we supposed to believe that the reason he's like always driving east to west, east to west, is like to go between his mother and Jane? And he kills people on the way? Just like for fun and profit? Also just like, how... Do you just keep a mummified How do you keep a mummified body? person there? How cold was that apartment? I, that was like, what? Also, okay, so his mom's dead. He's replacing her with Jane, but he's keeping her body? Like, what's the point of that? Is he Do like one or the other? Pick a struggle, Frank. <laughs> is he like doing stuff with it? Oh. Is Why that... do we keep getting these completely unexplained mommy skeletons? <laughs> okay. If I had a nickel, I'd only have two nickels, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like... I just I don't understand what the implication is. Like, okay, his mom was a sex worker and he was embarrassed by it and traumatized by it. Sure. 
Okay, sure. Yeah. All Whatever. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. Even his, you know, home base is her apartment, his childhood apartment. Like, okay, whatever. He's hardly there. Why the skeleton? Why the mom skeleton? Is it just like he was that obsessed with his mom? Like, he was so obsessed he had to, like, fall in love with someone who reminded him of his mother, but then also keep the mom skeleton? What the fuck? This episode sucks. I don't like it. This episode's not great, actually. This episode's not good, and I don't enjoy it. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, we're back to Strauss and Hotch. And Strauss is like, Hotch, you're no longer effective in your job. And Hotch profiles her, basically. Like, we you talked love- about this, I think, like, last episode, where, like, Hotch will, like, go to bat and just go kind of wild, yes. kind of crazy, and just, like... Absolutely. Show that he's good at his job. Absolutely. He's like, you love your middle son the most. You have bonsai plants because you like control. You've got all these shitty magazines you don't actually read. And she's like, stop it. Stop, stop. I'm already dead. (laughs) She's basically like, I'm not questioning your ability to profile. I'm questioning your ability to lead. And so then Hotch tells us about his team. Morgan doesn't trust a lot of people because trust has to be earned. And he like puts on his leather jacket. He's like tossing his ball that he tossed and he throws it to Reed who catches it and throws his arms in the air all cheerfully and Hotch says Reed's intellect is a shield for his emotions, and right now it's under repair. Whatever the fuck that means. And then Emily, like, hits him on the tummy, and he, like, drops the ball, and she's, like, laughing. And he says, says, Prentice overcompensates because she doesn't feel like a part of the team, but she needn't worry. And then JJ feels dozens of requests every day and goes home hoping she's made the right choices. And I was like, that's a good point. <laughs> this yeah. might be this might be the first or maybe second time we really hear JJ be like, what if I'm making the wrong decision? I mean, she doesn't say it, but that's the kind of like the pressure of choosing to help one person instead of another. Oh. Okay, and then Garcia surrounds herself by color to remind herself of the good in the world. I wrote down some of the stuff she has. There's a really cute picture of JJ and Garcia <laughs> that's clearly Kirsten and AJ. Uh, yeah, exactly. I love it because you can tell they were just on, on set taking bestie pics. Like, yeah. it's so cute. Yeah, they were like, hey guys, I know it's the read-through, but we need a photo to put on Garcia's desk it's been there since season one by the way second there's like a weird voodoo doll with like a sash and then there's a picture of either She-Ra or Barbarella and then she has a Dragon Ball Z figurine which is like adorable and then Gideon is damned by his knowledge of others (laughs) okay this the writing this episode sucks who wrote this episode you sucked I Hold up. I think they were trying to mimic the like poetry of the Fisher King part two with the King Arthur shit, but like this episode wasn't like themed, so they just had to like write it <laughs> in the regular episode. 
and it fucking sucks, and I'm gonna say that. Shame them. Hold up, who wrote this episode? Jeff Davis and Simon Mirren. Jeff Davis! Jeff Davis! You started this damn show. Make it better. I think he leaves <laughs> next season, or he stops being the showrunner. Well, next season gets really good really fast, so... Exactly. So I think he stops being the showrunner. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, Gideon has his, like, book, and he's putting pictures of the people that have died, and he puts a picture of Rebecca next to a picture of Jane, and then Garcia comes in and gives him a picture of... Oh, she gives him the picture of Rebecca, and then he pulls a picture of Sarah from his wallet. And puts it in the book and dates this episode, May 14th, 2007. And basically Man, Hotch is like, I stand by my action. People still had like, pictures in their wallets. People still had pictures in their wallets. Just Gideon. Just Gideon. Just Gideon. He kept it in like a little, like it was like a little booklet made for pictures of people. That's like and a thing. Like, I know. I was just like, I haven't seen one of those in fucking forever. You know? Right. Well, he's 80 years old, so... I mean, yeah, fair. They were just passing him out at the nursing home that day. <laughs> exactly. I gotta get new Gideon jokes. Actually, I don't. He's leaving. Actually, you don't. <laughs> I'm gonna just run this one joke into the ground this episode, yeah. and then when we start season three, and then I'll be good. Yeah, yeah, I'll come you got... up with better jokes later. Don't worry. You'll have to come up with a few Rossi ones, and it can't just all be Papa Pasta. Exactly. I'll I'll take the high. I'll take our little break between seasons, and I'll like come up with some new jokes. I'll write them down so I don't forget. Nice preemptive Rossi jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Basically, um, Hotch is like, I stand by my actions and the actions of my team. Good luck finding someone better than me, bitch. And Strauss is like, wait, <laughs> Hotch. And Hotch is like, you want to know how I know that you favor your son? I'm good at my job. But also, like, the pictures on her desk, she has one of all three of her children, but the girls are just, like, real close together, and the boys is, like, completely covering them. So, <laughs> that's just yeah. bad, that's just bad like, momming. She has also three individual photos, and the girls are, like, pushed back behind the boys. Like, yeah, it's not that hard. No. Not to be rude, but it's not that hard. Yeah. Okay, so then we get the, like, real twist ending of the episode. Strauss starts being like, I put you in the BAU. You were never exactly shy about telling us how much you wanted the job. They all thought you were too reckless, but I believed in you. Now, it's time to pay back the favor. Your team's in trouble. They've lost sight of the big picture. They're reckless and out of control. Hotch's career needs to end. If you want to stay in the BAU, you're going to help me make that happen. And it cuts to Emily, who's just sitting there like, uh. <laughs> the way they do this shot of like, oh. it slowly rotates around Strauss to it's see good. who she's talking to. Really good, actually. It's really good. And it it's both like, who's it going to be? Like, has this mole been there the whole time? And then it's fucking Emily, and you're like, no, wait, I just started liking Emily. Yeah, exactly. 
You're like, wait, because Emily's whole thing was that they didn't trust her. And now, yeah. like, I, I, I trusted you. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good because yes. she built up that trust in a really solid, like, she played the long game. She didn't just want people to trust her immediately. It just sort of, like, happened naturally. And I think it's really, really good that she's, I think it's actually really good that she's the mole here and not anybody else. Because yes. it really feels like a blind side when she does it. I think also, it re- like especially because like her whole arc this season has been, I'm not a mole. I'm not playing politics. I'm not doing this. And then to have the season end, and she doesn't say anything. So it's Strauss. Say a goddamn thing. Strauss saying, I got you this job. You owe me a favor. I want to take Hotch down. You're going to make it happen. And it's just Emily sitting there. So you don't know if Emily is like, finally, the time for our plan has come. <laughs> you know, or if you're, yeah. or if you're like, no, she didn't want this. She earned her spot. You know, you really could go both ways and you don't find out until next season which it is and then you find out like immediately god bless emily prentice (laughs) yeah and but it is it's such a good cliffhanger little twist little twist at the end a little something to whet your appetite for next season little cliffhanger yeah okay so we've talked for certainly long enough Quite certainly have. We started this recording at like 7 p.m. It's now 11 p.m. Wow, it has fully been like four hours. Yeah, fully. We had some shorter ones in here for a while. This is back. We're back. It's been an hour. The last few were an hour and a half. This one is going to be a solid three hours. It's a finale. Sure. It's a finale. We got to go big. We got to go big. Jaybird. Yes, Benjamin. Scale of 1 to 10. What are you ranking this season finale episode? <sighs> That's a good question. It sucks because I like it less than when we started talking about it now. <laughs> I like you know? it just the same. I like it a lot less. I'm going to give it an 8. You're going to go with an 8. All right, all right. I... You remember last episode, Legacy, didn't where you give I like went a, real high and you, you gave went it real like a low. ten, didn't you? Yeah, I gave that one a ten, and you gave it a six. Yeah, not a three, bestie. Oh no! Really? Think of the gay. Think of JJ's arms. Think of Emily's face. The women are wonderful as always, and the there are some funny moments, and I do. Like, it's an easy watch, which is good. Mm-hmm. I'm giving this episode a four. Okay. And that is because he Frank wins in such an unsatisfying way. That's fair. And I think that and the way that they don't, they barely save anybody. The only person they save is Tracy Bell. And it never felt like she was in danger anyway. Yeah, that's true. So, like... But three people who didn't need to die did. You know what I mean? And four people... And Frank did deserve to die, you know? Like, it's just... 
it felt wholly like unfulfilling. Okay, you know what? I will I will go down to a six. Okay. I just wanna say before you go before you went down to a six, you and I had the exact same average rating for a season. Oh, now no. yours is just a little bit lower. Wow. Also, that made the whole season ranking go down from a 6.9, nice, to a 6.8. So thanks for fucking that up. (laughs) I can put it back on a fucking 8 if you want your (laughs) 6.9. It was kind of fucking nice, dude. That's it. We've done it. We did the whole season. All of season two is done, cataloged, and we will be discussing the whole thing. Next on our bonus episode, which always happens, uh, you can, if you have any corrections, now is the time to get them in. Please do. Wheels up at brightcrownmedia.com or at wheels up pod on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, or like if you know us, just come yell in our DMs. We don't mind. Go for it. All right, John will hit me with it. Not the John Wolves. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I have to know, is Donald making fun of Donald or Ronald? <laughs> Donald. Okay, that's what I fucking thought. <laughs> that's My me. face is really red right now. <laughs> you know what's even funnier than Donald? What? Bonald. Bonald? What? You're in doing quote for this episode. <laughs> nice try. Nice try. Yeah, uh, as Jane says, I'd like to leave now. <laughs> I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I'd like to go home now. <laughs> I would like to leave here now. That's leave me, here the now. person saying. I would love to leave here now. Season three done. You're literally crying with laughter. I'm literally crying with laughter.